yeah. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Listen, baby. You know it. Oh, enough of that Christmas music. We've had it, right? With Tony Orlando without Dawn. That was it. Bing Crosby. It's over. We're moving on here. And up for already. Clubs are closed. Restaurants are closed. Gin mills are closed. Fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. The only lines you see in New York City, a city that's almost dead on arrival, are lines of people like lemmings. Oh, stick that swizzle stick up my nose. Test me, test me, test me, test me. I thought we were in an age where educators don't want to test their students any longer, right? It shouldn't be the test that determines whether you're good or bad. But, oh, no, there can't be enough tests. The rapid test. The seven-day test. Oh, every conceivable test in the world. You want a line? That's where you go. The testing line. Outside of Saks Fifth Avenue, the other great department stores. Almost nobody. Almost nobody. But we return with live and local programming here, which is what your place to be should always be, WABC, as our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, said. Upon my loss in the recent uh, mayoral election, Eric Adams... Five days later, he welcomed me back, and he said, Hey, you got a 30-year no-cut contract. In fact, WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. It seems that way, especially when we round into the weekends. Plus, I've been substituting for Bernard McGurk on the morning show with Sid Rosenberg. They're away until after the first of the year. My partner in that has been Russ Salzberg, Mr. Sweaterman. We'll get into that later on. But we have to set some coordinates uh, straight here. Uh, Last Saturday into Sunday, same time, same place, I was stuck with the same two Gavones here in the studio. We had Bruce, who was our board operator, and Phil, who was our phone screener. And about halfway through the broadcast, must have been at about 3 o'clock in the morning Sunday, I ended up going back to the kitchen area, which is like uh, like a, an automat. It's just huge. It's endless. It has anything that your heart would desire, courtesy of Margot Katsimatidis, owner and operator of WABC, along with her husband, uh, John. And I went to get a simple cup of tea, hot tea. And I had my boots on, not my Timberland boots. I had my boots. They were unstrapped. My wife had warned me earlier in the day, Nancy said, stop trying to look like one of these homies out there, you know, with your boots on and they're not uh, strapped up. Well, she was right. I took a dive in that kitchen area. I fumbled. I tumbled. I crashed my cranium in medulla. And all of a sudden, I was falling and I couldn't get up. Falling and I couldn't get up. And I'm screaming and hollering, I'm falling and I can't get up. And Bruce, who was here, acted stunned like he didn't hear anything. And Phil, that's right, they just cranked up the music. It got louder and louder and louder. As I squiggled on my belly like a snake. Finally got to the door, 
pulled myself up as if I were doing uh, chin-ups, staggered here into the broadcast area. And all they could do was, uh, how come you're so late in the rejoin? How come you're so late in the rejoin? Madonna mine. And ladies and gentlemen, you know what some of you uh, Weisenheimer sent me during the week, courtesy of WABC. One of you actually COD cash on delivery, believe it or not. You sent me uh, the first alert for seniors. Except when I opened up the box, it wasn't that pendant that you press when you say, I'm falling and I can't get up. It was a smoke and carbon monoxide alert. That's not what the pendant should be, a smoke and a carbon monoxide alert. And naturally, I look, where was it made? Of course, Red China, mainland China, like everything else that's been bought during this Christmas holiday, almost everything else bought in this Christmas holiday from our enemy of all enemies. What is that, President Xi? What's on first? I don't know who's on second. Tell me who's on third, and I'll belly slide into home, whatever his name is. He's our enemy. And yet we buy all our products from Red China, a.k.a. mainland China. So let me get started here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to give out our phone numbers. I know that you have been like, um, you've been mired in this musical extravaganza. First Cousin Brucie from 6 to 10, and then Tony Orlando without dawn from 10 to, well, what was he, late, uh, like 10.06, 10.10, crunching into my time here, my talk time. And he probably is saying, Hey, Sleeper, you got enough talk time. You're broadcasting more than anybody else in WABC. Well, I'm greedy. I can't get enough of that really good stuff talking to all of you. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But this comes uh, in the aftermath of what is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for a lot of people, uh, it is considered the... I will tell you this, the loneliest day of the year. And during the day, we've established a tradition here at WABC, courtesy of John and Margot Katsimatidis, that I and my wife Nancy will come in from about 2 to 4 and do a live program. Because we realize for so many people, they're shut in, they're stuck on their own. Uh, Many of them no longer have friends or relatives who are still around, uh, whether on this plane or anywhere in proximity. Many of you have been diagnosed with this uh, quick tsunami of this new uh, derivative of COVID-19, the South African version. And now all of a sudden you've been told you've got to quarantine yourself for 10 days. So there's a lot of loneliness out there. And for all this celebratory note that gets attached to Christmas, it is, for many people, the loneliest day of the year. I only wish that some of you could have heard our two-hour program earlier today. My wife Nancy was magnificent, no doubt about it, as a contributor here. I wasn't just jawboning every second. And then we got a call like we got from so many. Guy named Alex, who was calling all the way from Dallas, where many of those of you who live in Pennsylvania... New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut have fled to. That's right. A lot of you are heading south of the Mason-Dixon line. Not just to Virginia, North Carolina, a lot to North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, a lot to Florida, Texas, a lot, a lot to Tennessee and parts unknown. But just listen to Alex. Listen to the pain on this Christmas day. And listen to how important our live broadcast was earlier in the day to so many people. 
just like Alex, no matter where they happen to be. First up in the queue all the way from Dallas, Texas, is Alex. Uh, Merry Christmas uh, uh, to all of you down in Texas land with so many of our New Yorkers and New Jersey residents have fled. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Wow, what an honor. Nancy, Curtis, Curtis, I want to say I found you from the mayor race, and I saw you in a Howard Stern interview, and I saw Howard talk to you with so much respect, and he always talks down to people. I'm like, I got to go down the Curtis Lee rabbit hole. Then I saw that John Gotti tried to kill you, couldn't kill you. Then I saw you were a manager at McDonald's. I grew up eating at McDonald's. Curtis, I want to say you are my personal hero. I just, you know, watching your documentary, when my mom recently passed, and Watching your documentary describing how you were there with your dad when he passed away, that gave me the strength to be able to do it when my mom passed away. So I just thank you a lot, Curtis, because I got a lot of pain. I miss her so much, and you really helped me out. You don't even know it, and I just need that from the bottom of my heart, Curtis. I really, I really look up to you, and I really appreciate everything you do for society. You're a really good human being. We need more Curtis Lee was, and, and I, I have five cats. So we have toxoplasmosis, Curtis, from dealing with a fecal matter. That's a parasite that turns us into crazy cat ladies. But I love cats more than anything. So you really are a personal hero. I'm not kidding, Curtis. You have no idea how much you helped me in the past couple months. No, I know, Alex. And uh, the very reason we do a program like we do today, uh, many people would say, wow, why are you doing a live program? Because we understand, like yourself, there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who have suffered a loss, or they're quarantined in, or they're home alone, or they're just stuck uh, with memories, whether they're good or bad, and they need uh, a friend. And the friend is always here at WABC, even if you're living in a place like Alex is in Dallas, Texas, where a lot of our fellow New Yorkers and those in Jersey and Connecticut have fled, people fleeing down there for a better quality of life, just uh, and it offers them so many more incredible opportunities. I'm sure your mom was a great figure in your life and your family's lives uh, and other people's lives. So keep those positive memories, as I do, of both my father, Chester, and my uh, mother, Frances. Let me tell you something. That was just one of so many other calls to come in which people were actually crying, crying because we were able to reach out and touch them on a day which, uh, for so many, it's the loneliest day of the year. Again, it's celebrated as if it is the happiest day of the year. And for many, it is. The younger you are, I think, the more so. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you get to a position in your life where you may be home alone for a variety of reasons, especially ever since the lockdown and pandemic. And I got to tell you, uh, to be able to reach out and touch people in this way, remember, radio, talk radio is the most intimate form of entertainment. And whereas I specialize in doing theater of the mind, it's not always gloom and doom news. And, hey, did you see the headlines today? Hey, look, anybody could do that. <laughs> it's like, hey, come a dime a dozen. They read the headlines. They open up the phone lines. Uh, you, ga you gab with them. Most of you agree. Some of you disagree. And that's, that's an easy form of talk radio to do. It's necessary at times, uh, particularly when we're in a news cycle. But I will tell you, that's not the kind of talk radio that has the uh, most impact on people's lives because it is the most intimate form of broadcasting that exists. More intimate than podcasts. Podcasts are not intimate. 
Todd, do you really know the podcast is? No. Yeah, it's a podcast. There's no intimacy. There's no callers. It's just a person pontificating. Uh, television, it's the words uh, attached to uh, the film. And if you're not watching the film and you're listening to whoever the host or hostess is, you get lost in all of that. But with radio, AM radio, active-minded radio, it is the most intimate of all forms of communication. You could be half asleep. You could be parallel to the ground, and it will still get into your subliminal, subconscious state of mind. And that's why it is so important, as opposed to FM radio, which so many of you have been seduced by, FM standing for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and uh, let's face it, uh, becoming an FM vegetarian. That's not what AM active-minded uh, News Talk Radio is, especially here at WABC, the number one News Talk station in the nation, with 50,000 powerful watts of sound. At this hour of the wee hours of the morning, heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, and yes, even sailors who have gone down to Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle between the Bahamas and Bermuda uh, have been uh, quoted as one of the final things they said. They were in the midst of listening to The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano when all of a sudden they went down to Davy Jones's locker. That's what this is, an intimate form of broadcast. It's a two-way street. Sure, it's me pontificating. Sure, it's me connecting the dots. But it's also your interaction as listeners, some of whom are callers. In fact, I can listen to other talk radio show programs, and I can tell the callers. They're like the same people over and over and over. And I say to all of you out there, do you want the 1% of all the hundreds of thousands of people listening to dominate the discussion? Or maybe for the very first time, you ought to take a New Year's resolution and say, yeah, I'm going to call. I'm going to call. 99% of you who listen have never picked up the phone, never picked up your celly, and even attempted to call these numbers. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Some of you, you're at work. Some of you are at home. Some of you are maxing and relaxing. Some of you are quarantined in because you came back with a positive test for coronavirus. But boy, this is the opportunity to connect, just like Alex connected, just like so many people connected earlier in the day from 2 to 4. And this is the continuation. As I take you from 12 midnight to 5 o'clock in the morning, maintaining that tradition of intimacy on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. And I can't get up. This special would be the sound of a choir of angels. And my next guests have brightened up the New York City subway system and are here tonight to brighten up our Christmas extravaganza from New York, New York, the town so nice they named it twice, making their musical debut, singing a medley of Christmas favorites. Here are the Guardian Angels. What are you, Weisenheimer, Bruce? That was so long ago. Summer, Christmas time on the David Letterman show in July, where he had yours truly and the Guardian Angels singing Christmas carols. Remember, I said, that's it for the Christmas carols. And what was that promo that you played leading in to this David Letterman extravaganza? You might as well listen to the podcast now. How stupid is that? 
I'm freaking on the radio, and we have a promo that suggests that everybody turn the radio off and go to the podcast at WABCRadio.com. Does that make any sense? I turn to it now. Doesn't anybody listen to these promos before they put them on the air? You're on the, the radio live. That's what we do. Podcasts is not what you come to WABC for. Yes, we have podcasts. You go to WABCRadio.com. I even have one with my son, Anthony, a father and a son. You got to listen to it, Curtis and Anthony. In fact, we just put in the can our third podcast. But you don't listen when you're listening to WABC. God. What kind of morons do we have around here sometimes? Hey, turn it off and listen to the podcast. Really? Do you think that makes sense? Anyway, let's go to the phones. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Sam, who's patiently waiting on the phone in Woodside. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sammy. Okay. Misery loves company. But I, I got a couple of questions to ask you, okay? You want number one? Ah, so you're going to be an inquisitor here, huh? Yeah. Let's see how smart you are. How many women have uh, Eric Adams have to sleep with before before Shirlane shows up? How many women? Well, how the How many women do you have to sleep with before Shirlane shows up? How the hell would I know anything like that? What kind of a dumb question is that? That's almost as dumb as the promo suggesting that you turn off WABC in order to listen to the podcast. Uh, Can somebody actually make a reference to Chris Libertini, the voice of WABC? Like, you make a promo like that, and you're actually advocating the people turn the radio off to live radio, which is what we're best known for all over the world, to listen to a freaking podcast? That's just an ancillary product that we make available to all to all of you. But I am suggesting to you, you don't turn off WABC or WLIR in order to listen to any of our podcasts. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Hey, Curtis, thanks for the great work. We're helping people out. That's wonderful. Today, my wife and I went to Mickey D's. We picked up like 20 hamburgers, and we were handing them out to the homeless people off of Jersey Street in Staten Island. And the guy in Mickey D's gave us an extra 10 hamburgers and a bunch of French fries, and these people were enjoying it. So thank you for the great work that you're doing. Ah, a muzzle tough, muzzle tough to you, Pete, and your wife, uh, handing out uh, the Mickey D's, the burgers and fries to those in need on Jersey Street. By the way, did you wear your bulletproof body condom? Because, you know, a lot of times they have drive-by shootings there. Oh, yeah, it's rough over here, but, uh, you know, there's good people. There's good and bad people everywhere. You know that better than anybody, you know. And I finally got off the Castro convertible, and I got the remote put away, but I got it all ready for the football games tomorrow. I enjoyed the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers today. They played very good. Ah, now, meantime, you notice how the Weisenheim is listening to us like you, Pete, uh, knew that I was falling and I couldn't get up this time last week. And you know what they sent me? They sent me the first alert, uh, which was the smoke and carbon monoxide detector. They want me to hang that around my neck like Flavor Flav does that clock in Public Enemy. What good is that going to do? I mean, unless there's a fire or a carbon monoxide. I know? mean, how... I st- fell on my- 
How's... I fell on my face a couple of weeks ago. I know what it is. It's tough. And how'd you, how'd you get up, Pete? How did, do? how did you get um, up? Thank, thank God my wife was here. She gave me a chair to grab onto, and that's how I lifted myself up. But, but can, she couldn't lift me up. Could you imagine if all of a sudden your wife had gone out uh, on Highland Boulevard and got you a first alert, a smoking carbon monoxide detector, and put it around your neck instead of a medical alert? <laughs> That would be wild. That really would be. What do you think? What I do you think? Wait, 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 wait. What do you think these people are thinking when they send that to me? And then one of them, one of them sent it COD, cash on delivery. What do you think is going in the minds of some of our listeners and callers when they pull that form of technology on me? Well, I, it takes all kinds to run the world. You know, what am I going to tell you? What am I going to tell you? It's just uh, good that... Uh, Humanity that you care, and even for the animals. Matter of fact, I picked up six more cats that I was feeding because the guy that was feeding them on the block, he's in the hospital. So, but everything's going good. They're feral, but they come over to me. I even pet them. They're amazing. Yeah, well, yeah. that is amazing. Normally, a feral cat. Those are cats who live outdoors. They can never, never live indoors. They just cannot adapt. They cannot be domesticated. Uh, they will show up if you feed them and you put water out. But it's rare that they will let a human being near them. The only person I've ever seen be able to adapt to real feral cats, I mean cats who have never been indoors, is my wife Nancy, Pete. My wife, she can be walking down an alleyway, let's say in Sunset Park, you don't see a cat in sight. She makes a few sounds and all of a sudden there are 20 or 30 feral cats surrounding her. The moment they see me, they run like there's no tomorrow. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's uh, Tom who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tom. Curtis, I'd like to say, I wonder how many false positives with this COVID situation have have happened, you know? Oh, I'll bet you a lot. I mean, what, yeah, what they, every uh, test is going to be perfect? That's, that's bull feathers. Yeah, I'd like to say, too, that you remember the old Abbott and Costello uh, Mrs. Crump Kate's bucket, when it was supposed to be like a, a uh, jury case against Costello, and they said, "Did you uh, did you do you come to agree? Did you come to a, 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 a conclusion?" And the whole jury says, "We're positive. We're positive. We're positive. Positive. Positive." Now that's an excellent point. You know, Tom, I hadn't even fathomed that. You're so right, with thousands, tens of thousands of tests being administered in the street. And look at some of the people who are sticking those swizzle sticks up your nose. You wouldn't even trust them delivering an Amazon package to your house. But they happen to be hired there to stick a swizzle stick up your nose. And you're going to believe that every one of those tests is absolutely accurate, that there are no false positives out there. Look at the faces of some of these people who are administering the test. They don't really want to be out there. You can see they have that jaundice viewpoint when they got to stick the swizzle uh, stick up your nose. They're looking the other way because it causes them so much angst. And yet they say, oh, no, these tests are completely accurate. You know, the rapid tests, the seven day tests, every test, right? Oh, they can't make any mistakes. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Arthur, also in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Arthur. 
Cody, this is our tour in Staten Island. How you doing? Listen. Hey, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Oh, this is where we're going to do our Curtis Lee Clinic. Not only for our tour, but for all the rest of you out there who uh, will be calling uh, into the wee hours in the morning. First off, there are three levels that you don't do. Let, let, let's just deal with the first level. You know, three at one time might strain your brain. The question is Arturo asks, how you doing? Can we go to the audio tape and use Frank Morano as an example of what you shouldn't do, both as a caller and as a host? Okay, Arturo, I want you to listen to this. I want everybody yeah, else to listen to it. Okay, all right. Uh, t- take a chill pill there. Take a chill pill. Chris is in Brooklyn. Hello, Chris. Hey, how are you, Frank? Great. I'm well, Chris. Thanks for asking. Now, and I'm doing well, too. The now, weather's getting colder out here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Now, look at this love fest. I want you to play that cut again. That's like a double entendre. First off, you have Chris from Brooklyn calling Frank Morano. Okay, now Frank has just completed this rift, this negative rift about how horrible something was in his life. You would think that he had the most miserable day in his entire life. And listen again, the rap between the call of Chris in Brooklyn and Frank Morano. Chris is in Brooklyn. Hello, Chris. Hey, how are you, Frank? Great. I'm well, Chris. Thanks for asking. And I'm doing well, too. The weather's getting colder out here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Is the whole world doing well? Does everybody have to lie when they no, call I'm up? I'm not doing well, Curtis. I'm not doing too well. That's why I asked you. But I want to tell you, I voted for you. Okay. And listen, you fill in, you're like there, you're always there. You're the greatest talk show host that I, I mean, you're ready at any moment. Sembe pronto, Gabi. But that's one of the things that I think is positive last week, Thursday, for COVID. And I would, let me tell you, for three days, I was going through fucking hell. Excuse my language. Oh, we got to let Arturo go, man. It must be the COVID's getting to him. You better get that uh, Fels Nat for soap uh, if he happens to be a Gentile. Oh, uh, the Rokish, if he's Jewish, uh, the laundry soap. Hey, Arturo there. Hey, watch your language. Uh, there are kids listening. Well, at WABC, a kid is 55 years old. You know, 55 years old and younger. That's what we consider kids here at WABC. But did you did you hear the guy Chris from Brooklyn and Frank? Could it possibly... Is it possible that two guys were so fatouched, they were so happy? Oh, everything is great. Yeah, no, it's great by me. Oh, it's great by me. Meantime, Frank just finished a riff uh, indicating the worst possible thing that ever happened in the world had just landed on his front desk, right? Oh, but no, everything is perfect. Let's go to Pamela calling from Central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pam. Hi, Curtis. Um, it's so true what you were saying about sticking those sticks up your nose. I had na- uh, allergy issues, and I went to a maxofacial surgeon years ago, and he said, you, you know, you got to be um, very careful what goes in your nasal passages because your brain is right there. So you're right. I don't trust all these rapid fire sticking those sticks up your nose to, to your brain, and they can mess up your nasal passages. Uh you know, like you said, I don't trust some of these people to uh, deliver a newspaper, let alone stick a thing up my nose. Well, imagine, Pamela, you're cautious. You use common sense. But think of how many people tonight 
while celebrating uh, Christmas, decided to put some white powder up their nose, of which they have no idea what the ingredients are. No idea, Pamela. And yet they're... Exactly. And a lot of the uh, people who have been on cocaine from the 70s, you can hear it in their nasal passages. You can hear it. If they have any nasal passages left over, right? You, you got it. Yep. And remember when you were growing up, Pam, how many uh, particularly young ladies would say, oh, I have a deviated septum. That's why I had to go uh, and get my nose adjusted. You know, I had to have uh, plastic surgery on my nose because I had a deviated septum. You remember that nonsense? Yeah, right. Right. A little bit too much white powder up the nose. <laughs> See, you're a doubting Thomas. I'm a doubting Thomas. How could all of these tests be 100% perfect? How many people are laid up at home with a positive, negative, negative, positive, whatever they call a negative test that really they believe to be positive, and they're sitting on their us for like 10 days when there was no need to do that to begin with? Yeah, they didn't focus on testing, and they did not focus on antibodies, and, and they admitted it. They admitted it. They have to come up with a better test, and they have to come up with uh, a better uh, – and antibodies. They're all out of antibodies. What we need is – remember the AIDS scare? Well, I was working then, and nobody cared if, whether we went to work or not. They told me to bring in a can of Lysol and handle it myself, and I went to work. And I didn't worry 24-7 about it. I was just careful. we we got to go on living. That's right, the old can of Lysol. When everything else fails, right, Pamela? Just spritz down the Lysol on everything, right? The old Lysol will never let you down. Hey, I spray my garbage cans like every day, and I let them sit in the sun for 10 minutes before I bring them in. Just a little extra precaution. No, no, wait a second. Hold on. You have the garbage can, you you put the spritz of Lysol on it, and then you let it soak up the sun, the ultraviolet rays, just to be on the safe side. Right, after pickup, because a lot of times they throw the whole can in the garbage truck when they throw it out, so it's getting all those germs on it. And I'm, I'm not, like, 24-7 worrying about germs, but a little extra precaution doesn't hurt. And you got to let it sit for 10 minutes in the sun. 10 minutes. you got to count, count it out. 10 minutes, because the ultraviolet light from the sun has to be able to uh, perforate uh, that, that can. Now, does this work for the uh, old tin can, the old steel can, the old ash can, or the new rubberized plastic can? Oh, yeah, I, uh, I do it with all of them, around the handles and wherever. Uh, and it depends. If they didn't throw it in the truck, they just handled the top. And those gloves, you know, they've handled everybody's garbage. I just do a spray. And I, I go about my business outside, let it sit. I don't sit there and worry about it. I just let it sit for a while. And then I bring it in later on. I wonder to anyone who's listening out there who has been a garbage man or been a garbage guy, what do you do when you get home after a full day of hauling trash in the back of that compactor? After you just listen to Pamela, do you take a Lysol bath? You lay out in the sun for like 10 minutes so that the ultraviolet lights can destroy the germs that are permeating every layer of your skin. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jennifer in Boston. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jen. Hey, Curtis. Um, I don't really care too much how you are, although I do hope you're well. Um, But I hope that Nancy's feeling better, your lovely wife. 
Oh, I gotta give you. I gotta give you an update in the next hour. I'm gonna give you an update on Nancy. I left her behind. She was stung out, knocked out. Uh, she was snoring so loud. Let me tell you, the cats were having a protest. Well, I'm, I do hope she. I didn't even hear what her malady was, but I heard about the Ben Gay mishap and the rest of it. So whatever was troubling her, she's a she's a great soul, Curtis. Obviously, you know because you married her. Um, so uh, she's. She just seems like a very, very special person. So um, her devotion to animals uh, just touches me deeply. And uh, two things, one on the podcast, which I'll get to in a second. But first, a shout-out to Pete and Renee. They are just a great couple, and um, they just we need more people like Pete and Renee and people like you and your wife in the world uh, doing good for others, of uh, be they four-legged or two-legged. So uh, kudos to you all. Thank you, um, thank you, thank you. And um, if I could, Curtis, on the podcasting, I'm so glad to hear you rail about that. I'm like, what the hell? I am so tired of giving my time listening to the radio to have them tell me to go on the computer and listen to a podcast. Yeah, I- now, now, Jennifer, that defies logic. You're listening Hello? to a program on WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, and then mm-hmm. some idiot comes on the line, Chris Libertini, you know, the voice, the sound of WABC, basically is telling you, turn off the radio and listen to a podcast which can never, ever, ever equal the ability of a live talk radio program, ever, 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 ever. Correct, because you can't, first of all, like if I was listening to you tomorrow or next week, I can't phone in the way I am now. Now, granted, I understand for people with certain work schedules and they like a program or, you know, whatever their domestic situation is, they can't always tune in. But the way they push it is like ad nauseum. Give it a break. And I don't know whether or not the ad revenue is somehow much better on podcast or whatever, but I wish that they would promote the programming itself as much as the podcast. That's so right. Would, That's right, Jennifer. That that makes too much common sense. If I hear one more than that and leave a five-star review, oh, God, I just want to go on and leave them a negative five-star review every time I hear that. But Jennifer, I, I had a plumber come over the other week. The plumber who can't even think and chew gum at the same time. You know what? His first question to me as he's getting under the sink to try to patch up a leak. I got a a podcast, Curtis. You want to listen to my podcast? (laughs) And, you know, I'm I'm very blunt. I said, I don't even listen to my own podcast. Why the hell would I listen to your podcast? I at least thought you were going to say that he asked you if you have a podcast, but he's telling the plumber, telling you he has oh, a podcast. Oh, yeah, and then the dentist, because I have a front tooth that oh, was God. knocked out a long time ago, and it always gets loose. It's just about ready to fall out again. I'll go to the dentist. I'll be laying back. And he goes, hey, you know, Curtis, I got a podcast. You want to you wanna listen to it? Let me know what you think. I'll tell you what I think right now. It sucks. It stinks. Curtis, I'm surprised you don't just put, like, super glue or something on your tooth, knowing you. You are too funny. Uh, uh, Jennifer, anyway. uh, I already tried that, the super glue. It, it, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it would not have surprised me. Uh, but I, uh, one last thing. The one with Anthony and you sounds great. So um, if I'm able to, I'm going to try and give that a listen. Yes, yeah. That, that, that one, I give an exemption uh, to uh, my boycott of podcasts. I've been very, very consistent since they first invented these freaking podcasts. I mean, I say, are you going to listen to a live broadcast on WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, or are you going to turn it off to listen to a freaking podcast? I 
can never get a straight answer because, you know, it's the flavor of the day. Oh, we got to do a podcast. First of all, you don't have enough time to listen to the radio. You're, you're multitasking. You're, you're having to raise your kids, your grandchildren. You're running from place to place. These people think all you have to do in your life is to listen to podcasts. Well, guess what? I don't listen to podcasts. I listen to live talk radio because if you listen to podcasts, live talk radio will be dead. Then you won't have a WABC. Then you can go online and you can listen to every podcast from A to Z in which there are no callers. Remember, podcasts don't have callers. It's basically like going on a Sunday, like tomorrow, right? You're going into the pew uh, of a church, and the minister is up there giving you uh, his presentation for 25 minutes. And you know what happens? The few times that I go to church, (laughs) boring. (laughs) Do you think I want to listen to some guy or gal talk for like 45 minutes straight with no callers, no interaction whatsoever? That's a podcast. It might as well be a sermon in a church. And by the way, later on, we're going to discuss why is it the Catholics had masses that were open to the public, but the Episcopalians, the wannabe Catholics, and the Protestants decided, no, we're just going virtual. Who's right? Whose God was telling them, no, do it live. No, no, do it virtual. Is it the same thing? Podcasts. one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two. Download the 77 WABC mobile app now. now. Get the latest news and information. Listen to your favorite shows and podcasts anywhere you go. Available now on Google Play and in the App Store. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. What I tell you about these podcasts, right? I guess they want to run us out of business. Knock it off with these chipmunks. I've had it with the chipmunks. That's it. Over, over. Now that I'm on this diatribe of mine, I mean, let me take you back a little inside baseball. At the time, Cumulus owned WABC, and they had a death watch on us. They hated us. They despised us. They loathed us. They wanted us to follow the route of WPLJ that they darkened. That's right. They eliminated WPLJ. They called them all in one day and said, that's it. No more broadcasting WPLJ. One of the most iconic FM stations ever in the nation, right? Boom, over, slam dunk, goodbye. And that's when we knew they were coming for us. First they come, came for the FM vegheads, and we did nothing. And then you think I was going to do nothing when they came for AM, active-minded listeners? I knew they were trying to execute us. Oh, yeah, all the suits, all the markets, accumulates. They said, oh, continue to do those great broadcasts. Yeah, sure. And then I'll never forget, I was called into a room with the suits, the markets, the muckety-mucks of Cumulus. I was doing 12 to 3 at that time. And then I came back to do drive time for an hour, 5 to 6. I can handle that. You know, I can do 24-7-3-6-5. So anyway, they call me in and they say, oh, you can't do 5 to 6 anymore. I said, wait, wait, wait. You're making more money in that hour than you ever made in your lifetime. Oh, no doubt about that. But the next great talk show host must dominate that hour. I said, who's this? They said Ben Shapiro. He's like, he's the golden calf. 
I said, Ben Shapiro, I know the guy. He's a podcaster. He's not a talk radio show. Oh, no. He's the next, the greatest talk radio show host of all time. Sliwa, uh, get out of our way. Just go back to 12 to 3. Hey, this is a business. It's their business. You know, this is the business we have chosen. But I said to myself, it's a podcast. So I'm listening to the kid do his podcast every day. And he would advertise twice in every hour. You don't need to listen to all the commercials at this station. Just pay. Subscribe to my podcast on my website. So I go into the suits and I say, are you nuts? This guy is basically steering people away from WABC and saying, you don't need to listen to anything here. Just come to my website. Pay me money. And you don't have to listen to any commercials. And all you get is me. Nothing but me. That's the way he would say it. Do you know these schmucks and putzes continue to keep them on the air? So thankfully, John Katsimatidis bought the station. I went to John. I said, John, you're in the supermarket business, right? Oh, yeah, Gristidis, D'Agostino's. I said, what would that be like? That would be like letting Fresh Direct park their truck in front of your supermarket and then actually advertising in the aisles. Why shop at Cristini's or D'Agostino's? Why not just shop Fresh Direct? Thankfully, John has common sense, and he said, yeah. Why the hell are we steering people to this guy's podcast? And notice, no more Ben Shapiro, right? Not on WABC. He's not a talk radio show host. He's a podcaster. It's a big difference. It's a world of difference. Now, some of you, you like to be brainwashed. You like to be bamboozled. You like people talking to you because maybe you don't trust your own ability to think for yourself, to actually participate in calling up talk radio programs. Oh, boy. Let's go to the phones, podcasts. I hate them. I loathe them. I despise them. But there's a caveat here. If you do have a moment when you're not listening to WABC, you want to be listening to the Father and Son podcast featuring my son, Anthony and me. He is our resident Sovietologist. Anyway, let's go to Mike in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Mikey. Good to talk to you. I'm a veteran of 84 years old, and me and you have something in common. I hate the Beatles, and I love cats. Yes, I I despise the Beatles. Also, I want to just mention, I used to, I used to listen to Long John Neville oh, and yeah. Bob Grant. Oh. As you, you must have you must have heard him at one time, of oh, course. Let me tell you something, Mike. Late at night, in the wee hours in the morning. Right now, as I'm broadcasting on formerly WMCA, when they were the big talk station owned by R. Peter Strauss, who was a family-owned operation like WABC is now, the Katsimatidis family, and Long John Neville and Candy Jones would be on in the overnights. And remember, they had us believing that Candy Jones, uh, his wife, was a CIA agent. Remember that? Oh yeah, sure. Sure. And the King of Talk That's Radio, right. Bob Grant. There was nobody better, Mike. And Bob Grant was a thank you. Bob Grant would always compliment Candy Jones all the time. Oh, and, they, uh, they, I just want to say one thing. I'll mention one thing. I won't keep you too long. Long John Neville was an old Connie man. I don't know if you know that. When he first started, yes. he worked the Carnivals. Yes. yes. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, Barker. Oh, you know that. Now, do you know? Do you know who the other great carnival barker was? Another great carnival barker. He was on the boardwalk at Atlantic City. 
He became uh-huh. one of the uh, greatest uh, side guys of all time. Uh, in oh. fact, he was Johnny Carson's uh, side guy there on the couch. Oh, I see. I, I understand. That I was, uh, to... that was, oh, wait a second. Hold on, Mike. Uh, I don't want to uh, bust your brain power there or anybody. That was Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon used to be a carny guy, used to be a barker on the Atlantic City boardwalk, hawking people into various events. And that's where he developed his style. And eventually, right, remember the publisher's house, clearing, clearing publisher house, what do you get, a million bucks for buying magazines? How many of you ended up buying subscriptions to magazines because you thought that Ed McMahon would show up in your house with a certified check for a million dollars? How many of you ended up buying magazines you would never read? I mean, in topics and areas that that you had absolutely no interest in whatsoever because you were lured into believing that the publisher's clearinghouse would pick your name out of a barrel. And all of a sudden, one morning as you're waking up and going outside to get the morning paper when they would deliver morning papers, who would be there holding the newspaper and a container of milk but Ed McMahon? With the publisher's clearinghouse check certified for $1 million. Why? Because you purchase magazine subscriptions, which is one of the few ways that a lot of magazines could stay alive. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Trisha in North Carolina. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Trish. Hi, Curtis. May I first say it's a real pleasure to talk to an authentic influencer before influencers were a thing. And I'm calling to remind you, and you may already have this on the top of your head, but when I was a nurse in training in the late 80s, Fauci had his same position. And at that time, and you can get the audio on YouTube, Fauci said, that if you lived in a household with a person with AIDS or HIV and just had casual household contact, like, uh, you know, a child uh, with a parent, whatever. You notice how Tricia sounded just like the old Dr. Fauci there before he had the polyps removed, remember? Ah. I don't know if she smokes Chesterfields unfelted. But, you know, ever since Fauci had the polyps taken out, all of a sudden, he's like a soprano there. Before that, he, uh, uh, now, I'm not aware of what she was saying about that. I'll have, to, I'll have to do a deep dive. But we are moving on, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be touching a panoply of different topics as I take you to the 5 o'clock hour with live talk radio. This is not a podcast. This involves interaction with all of you. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Recently, when I became deathly ill, I was able to summon an ambulance, my next door neighbor, my family, and my doctor without picking up a telephone. I used this remote control to... Listen, baby, you know it. I win your day, yeah. You show it. I win your move, move, move. You know it. I win your dancing, yeah. You show it as you move across the floor. 
clubs are closed, bars, restaurants, skin mills are closed because of the fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. And let me remind all of you, this is a live broadcast. This is not a freaking podcast. Oh, and then remember last uh, week, this time, same place, as I went for a cup of tea in the back uh, cafeteria area that reminds me of the automat, Mrs. Uh, Katzmatidis, uh, man, she really keeps everything available for all the personnel here to munch and crunch and drink. And then I took a dive. Remember, I took a dive. I was sucking concrete back there. I was screaming, I'm falling, I can't get up. I'm falling, I can't get up. And here, Bruce was at the boards here. Bill, they just turned up the music. They didn't want to hear me. Then when I crawled in to the broadcast booth like a lizard, just scurrying in here on my belly. They said, oh, we had to play the music an extra few minutes. They prefer that than hearing me rant. And then this week, some of you Weisenheimers out there sent to WABC in care of me a first alert for seniors. Although it was the smoke and carbon monoxide detector, the big thing you stick on the ceiling of your, your, your home. And they had it so that I'd be wearing it around my neck like it was a pendant, like uh, Flavor Flav, a public enemy wears that stupid clock of his that I'd like to strangle him with. I don't need a smoke and carbon monoxide detector. I need a pendant just in case I fall here again, stumble and tumble over, uh, crash uh, into the uh, surrounding uh, uh, furniture, and then have to end up crawling in here like a snake on my belly because obviously the staff here, they're so oblivious to what's going on. We don't want to hear Curtis. No, 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 no. And by the way, this hour, I'll be giving you an update on my wife, Nancy. I still don't know how old she is. She's a a hipster, a millennial. Uh, but she was down for the count, if you remember, last week. I was giving her Bengay baths and pumping Don's pills into her uh, that had an expiration date of 1979. Well, it's better than giving a Vicodin or, or, or Oxys or Percocets. And then she ends up getting addicted, right? People all week long, how cool could you be subjecting your wife to a Bengay bath, especially the smelly type of Bengay, and then forcing those horse pills down her mouth, you know, the Dones pills. Well, they worked. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now, just to once again state the rules and regulations of proper talk radio calling etiquette, I even had to give a pimp slap to my kumpari chich, Rudy Giuliani. Listen, this occurred last Saturday when I was interviewing Rudy. Uh, he called in, and then he definitely did a faux pas. On the line right now, my kumpari chich, Rudy Giuliani. Thanks for joining me today, Rudy. All right, Forrest, how are you? How are uh, you? Now, Rudy... I have I have a standard rule even for you, Rudy. What's it? You never ask me how I'm doing because I always say to the callers, I've had better days. Have you always had better days? Every day? Every oh, day, man, Rudy. Get you a good day. Okay. Every day. But you and I, we had quite a number of sit downs yesterday, both here at uh, WABC. We did. We did. Oh, and by the way, we had another sit down just yesterday. It was Friday. 
I joined Rudy from 1 to 3 as we substituted for Greg Machine Gun Kelly. We've got some really big announcements upcoming. Yours truly, Andrew Giuliani, the future governor of New York State, and Mike Kumbaticic, the greatest mayor of our lifetime, Rudy Giuliani. Stay tuned for that. Anyway, let's go to the phones. And it's uh, John, who's calling all the way from Schenectady. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Hey, Curtis. I'm 65 years old. I met you in Albany at the age of 11. They threw you out of Schenectady. They didn't want you, but I got your picture, and you have made my life 1,000% better because I can listen to you on Alexa from WABC. Now, John. Yes. It sounds great. You chewed my shorts. You pulled my chain. But you're 65, and you met me when you were 11? Yes. In Albany? two other guys. Schenectady. Oh, Schenectady. All right, Hamilton Hill, right? Absolutely. Okay, now think about it. Mm -hmm. You're 65. Mm -hmm. So that meant 54 years ago, you met me in Schenectady with two other guardian angels, right? Yes. How could that be, John? I'm only sixty. I, I was, I'm only sixty-seven myself. Maybe seventy-seven. I met you. Oh, okay. Uh, we got to bump it up a bit, I, all right? I'm confused. <laughs> hey, look, you're not the only one with sugar out there, Titch Dubots. Do you know how many people who've had a little bit too much uh, schnapps and sponge cake in the last twenty-four hours are a little confused? I love the fruit cake. Oh, so you're one of these people. You you actually, it, it, it stays up in the supermarket for a full year. It could survive a yep. nuclear attack. Yep. But right before Christmas, you buy out all those trays of fruitcake, right? $2 each. You live for fruitcake, right? Absolutely. And some drugs. Did anybody ever say you're a fruitcake yourself? Yes. And you know what I go Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays? For dialysis for my kidneys. Oh, my God, oh my. You, whoa, you're I'm really... I'm a mess. Yeah, hey, look, but you're alive. I'm a scuzil. Yeah, you're alive. By the way, have you hit that casino there in Schenectady? Uh, Rivers, I've been down there once. Not my cup of tea. Because I can't see. I'm also legally blind. Oh, my, man. <laughs> I can't... Re- <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait a second. I can't make this shit up. Wait a second. Hold on a second. What is it with our callers tonight? They, they need the Fels after soap, the Rokish, the Jewish laundry soap. What is it? I, I can't understand this. They can't speak without cursing at some point. Now, the guy's blind, right? How the hey. hell How the hell did you meet me, John, when you were 11 years old in Hamilton Hill in Schenectady, and you saw me and two other guardian angels like 54 years ago, and now you're blind? I think I was smoking weed. Oh, boy. Oh, my. (laughs) Now, see, this guy ought to do a commercial. You remember drug-free America? When guys smoke too much weed, this is what becomes of them. Yeah, you end up talking like John there in Schenectady. Now, he didn't even think about that. 
when he first said that. He's, you see, because so many talk show hosts and hostesses, they love it when you stroke them. When you're their sickle fans, toadies and lackeys and their acolytes. They're like politicians. They only want to hear from good news bears, not bad news bears. So he's running this long diatribe, how he met me uh, when he was 11 in Hamilton Hill, which is a dangerous area in Schenectady, not far from the south end of Arbor Hill in uh, Albany. And then he remembered me with two guardian angels. Now, that is impossible. See, I'm listening to every word he says. Instead of getting all fatuts, all excited, all emotionally wrapped up, that, oh, look, this guy in Schenectady loves me. You think he was pulling my chain? You think he was chewing my BVDs and my fruit of the loom? I have a feeling he was definitely doing that. You get that impression, huh? Notice he said he's dialysis, he's blind, he's a little, he loses his, I don't know, it's a little too convenient for him to have all of those problems simultaneously. I'm not going to let you callers get over on me like a fat rat. No, no, no. Try that with like a Frank Morano. He loves it. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. He can't get enough praise. Don't try to bamboozle me. Don't try to use technology on me. I can connect the dots, you know? Not like everybody else here at WABC. Oh, oh, Sid Rosenberg. Oh, yes, I'm a deity. I'm God. I'm the best. No, 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 no. Come on, listen to everything that these talk callers are saying. They slip you a Mickey. Just like that guy from Schenectady did. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dan in Farmingdale. Your turn to be heard here in WABC, Dan. Hey, Curtis, I, I happen to make a comparison between uh, Governor Holcomb and a uh, Batman villain. Do you remember the old series, uh, the villain False Face? Don't you think he looks like Governor Holcomb a little with that plastic face? I'm telling you, I like the fact that you're using my term for Governor Holcomb, which is, she's really Holcomb, which is filled with nonsense. But, yeah, I've looked at her from time to time, and I got to say, that's not a natural face. I mean, she's done a lot of TV talk time of late. It looks like she's had a little nip and tuck. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like if you pinched it with your finger, it would shatter. But, uh, uh, well, you know, you know who used to have that? You know who used to have that? Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers, uh, who went to Thomas Jefferson High School on Pennsylvania Avenue in East New York. Remember, she substituted for Johnny Carson, and she had a falling out with him. Uh, She was a talk radio show hostess herself over at WOR. But she had so many facelifts at at one point that if she had had another facelift, her face would have snapped like an old rubber band. Oh, do you remember Jocelyn Wildenstein? Oh. Lion lady? (laughs) The cat woman. (laughs) Yes. And not only that, this woman was so wealthy. But I think she had like, I don't know how many facelifts. Remember now, it's it's called plastic surgery. It used to be called a facelift. Now, you know, the best plastic surgery I ever saw was on guys. On guys, not gals. Regis Philbin. He had some work before he passed away. Remember, that's the guy from Morris Park. Uh, he went to uh, Cardinal Hayes, same uh, school that Bernard McGurk and Dominic Carter went to. And he had some work. He could barely tell. I mean, was that good, the nip and the tuck? And the other guy was George Steinbrenner. 
now he was like manic depressive. Uh, at times he'd yell at me, at other times he'd grab me and hug me so hard I thought I would end up in Cleveland, Ohio, where he was originally from. Uh, he had some good work done. I don't know. Guys, I don't know, their facial features seems to adapt, be- uh, adapt better to a facelift than women do. There are some women you can't tell, but some women it's very obvious. And then you know what happens One lift leads to another lift, leads to another lift, so we can get the left side equal to the right side. And the only one who benefits from all of that is the plastic surgeons. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Russ, who's calling from White Plains. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Russ. Curtis, the formerly fat representative Jerry Nadler is retiring from Congress. You, You live in his congressional district, don't you? Ah, the whale, uh, Gerald Nadler. Well, he's hinting that this may be sayonara, but you know how these elected officials are. It's until death do they part. They just want to uh, be there forever. But he has hinted that this might be his last go-round. Well, I don't think he's going to hang around once the Democrats lose Congress for the next hundred years. He's he's ready to go. and You know, his wife just died and things happened to him. I think it is the end of his time. And I'm like, will you bring your authentic voice to the halls of Congress or are you satisfied with being the king of WABC radio? Uh, this will be the problem. Uh, yeah. Notice you yeah. had uh, Jim Jordan uh, from uh-huh. Ohio, Columbus, uh, who uh-huh. broke the code of wearing, uh, having to wear a jacket. Remember, every male used to have to wear a jacket in the house, and now he's broken that, and nothing happens to him. What the hell would happen? Imagine, let's say I ran for Jerry Nadler's seat to whale against uh, uh, Scott the Mameluke Stringer, who wants to run for that, or against Grace Ming uh, in uh, Forest Hills, or, or even move to Staten Island. People would say, hey, move to Staten Island. Uh, imagine if I did get elected, they would tell me to take my beret off. Well, I don't think you should worry about that. You know, the way you took care of Ben Shapiro, it sounded like the baptism scene in, in The Godfather, you know, when Michael got even with old scores, you know, and you got Lisa, Kubi, Ebony, Juliet, you have the wreckage, all these people, but you'll be okay. I, you know, even though you were an NPR broadcaster, I listen to you all the time, Curtis. Oh, you listened Thanks to me lot. back when I was at WNYC, didn't you? Yes, even when I was 11 years old, Curtis. Oh my God, 11 okay. years old, slowly oh. I turn, step by step. I'll never forget, it was uh, 1994. And in fact, a guy that Frank Morano interviewed just last week, John Manelli, uh, was the program director at WABC. I'll never forget. Uh, when I and Lisa were doing uh, the mornings, Angels in the Morning, um, I walked into his office and John Manelli said, I wake up at 7.34 every morning and I listen to Howard Stern. Just don't say anything that would disgrace us here at WABC. What kind of a program director was that? It's like idiots who listen to podcasts. Oh, yeah, we had a program director here who said, oh, I don't have time to listen to the station. I listen to eight podcasts a week. What the hell are you the program director here for? So John Manelli would actually say to me and Lisa as we're sitting here, just don't disgrace us. I listen to Howard Stern every morning and I wake up at 735. He was very anal. And Frank Morano has this guy as if he's the Mashiach of talk radio, right? He didn't even listen to the show that he had on WABC. And then the general manager walk into his office 
He's got a Yankee cap on because we had Yankee games on. He's swinging a Yankee baseball, you know, one of those little kitty, uh, uh, kitty, uh, baseball bats that they used to give away on Pat Day. And he's going, I listen to Don Imus every morning. Don't disgrace us kids. He's the general manager at WABC at the time. And these guys were in charge and they didn't even listen to the programs that they were in charge of. You think like maybe now you know why WABC wasn't doing too well back then? And now these same people would say, oh, yeah, I listen to podcasts all day. Do you even bother to listen to the radio stations that employ you? You think maybe that's what a program director should be doing? That's what a general manager should be doing? Listening to live broadcasting at the number one talk show station in the nation, WABC? Or listening to podcasts that maybe eight people have listened to? John Manelli. Tells me, and at least he sits there, don't do anything to embarrass us uh, because, you know, I don't, I don't listen to the morning show yet. I never have. I listen to Howard Stern. <laughs> and he's so angry. Oh, oh, yeah, I get up 7.38 in the morning. It's like, you don't get up earlier to, like, listen? How do you know we're even on the air? Maybe we killed each other. We were at that point. Maybe we killed each other. You wouldn't even know what was going on at the station. Yeah, you know, they all act like experts. Oh, no, I I know everything. They know nothing about nothing. Trust me, all these so-called self-appointed radio experts know nothing about talk radio. Because now what are they promoting? Podcasts. Oh, I listen to podcasts. Really? How would you know what's on the radio if you're listening to podcasts? Now, I get it. You miss the program. You want to catch it in a podcast form. But, oh, please, enough already. Turn off the radio and listen to the podcast. I, you got you to gotta find out which schmuck here at WABC made that promo. Turn off the radio and listen to our podcast. Well, Curtis, I, I hate to break it to you, but in a few hours, this entire radio show is going to be a podcast. We oh, upload no, it online. That's different because okay. that was an actual live radio program. You don't, they don't eliminate the callers. You know, it's not like they said, let's extricate the callers. It's a radio show that's turned into a podcast. But a lot of these podcasts are nothing more than a podcast. And if I don't listen to my plumber's podcast and I don't listen to my dentist's podcast, what makes you think I'm going to listen to your podcast? And people will call me in the street, you know, Curtis. What do you think of podcasts? I said, they're evil. They take away from people listening to talk radio live. Oh, please. I, I just started a podcast. How many people are listening? Four. C- could you listen to me and give me your professional opinion? I already did. I don't listen to podcasts. And it probably sucks. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Do I really want to listen to uh, Tannenbaum, old Tannenbaum? No, no, Christmas is over. 
It's on. It's on. We're marching on to New Year's Eve, where the schmuck will make that to putts. The part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, insists that the ball will drop, that there'll be 15,000 people, specimens out there, who will probably end up being subjected to a super spreader. But he's got to have that ball drop with him dancing with Charlene McRae up on the top deck of one Times Square because it's the only time he'll ever hear applause. And it ain't going to be for him. We'll talk about that later on. Let's go to the phones, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Kevin, calling all the way from Boston. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kev. Yes, what used to be the cradle of liberty. And, Curtis, I must correct you. Was this a Christmas? I mean, even talking about all the people with the canceled flights. I mean, 2,000. You asked them if it was a Christmas, whether it be 2020 or 2021. I mean, we can't even look forward to, let's say, if we adopt boxing. Boxing, uh, yeah, is it boxing or Boxers uh, Day? Boxers Day. They celebrate that up in old Canada. Boxers Day. Oh, they do, as with the U.K. Now, is that because you wear boxer shorts or briefs? I never quite understood why the name Boxers Day. (laughs) And the only time I laughed all day was earlier. There's nothing like live radio. With the Westinghouse, the subscriptions. <laughs> Holy Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, no, no. <laughs> this was genius, right, Kevin? So they're talking about Ben Shapiro being, you know, uh, the golden child of talk radio. He does a podcast. And then I'm listening to a show on the radio, and he's telling everybody, you don't have to listen to commercials here. Just go to my website. You pay me to listen to my podcast, and you don't have to listen to commercials. And I'm like, what are we trying to put ourselves out of business? And one one thing I have, must say for the late uh, stand-up comedian, was she so great before she went down to Fifth Avenue? There, uh, Joan Rivers, and how she was a woman that spoke her mind, whether it be in a comic form, satire, or what she truly felt. She was not and wouldn't be today or yesterday part of the woke crowd. Oh, no. Joan Rivers would never. I mean, quick wit, fast, and she took no prisoners. Kevin, she took no prisoners. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But the reason for my call this evening, this morning, and uh, I commend uh, Philip behind the board there, uh, being amidestrous that he is, um, I must say, for a person, how does Curtis Sweewa compartmentalize all the men that should be days away from being sworn in as mayor? How? Do you adjust the master of psychology to deal with all what we're dealing with in every every shape and form and fashion from our elected officials, whether it be community, municipal, state government, or our real from turncoats to Benedict Arnold's to these phony balonies in Washington that make up our U.S. Congress. Uh, an administration that is an uh, absolute laugh. Uh, I just don't know how, Curtis, to to deal with this psychologically. I'm 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 actually a misfit. I'm one of the few people that's never done weed. I don't do drugs. I'm more or less like you. I refrain from alcohol. I just cannot uh, put all 
all of this together. Well, I'll tell you what helps. I'll tell you what helps, uh, Kevin. And you ought to be familiar with this. Uh, living right near Bunker Hill, don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes. Remember, the Patriots were told when the British... Dr. Went, Warren. That's right. The first casualty on, on the American side. Don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes. Now, what if they didn't open up their eyes? <laughs> then all of a sudden, it would have been over before it began. But, Kevin... Deep. Yes, and they stood up, Curtis. Yes. They stood up. Yep, yep. But they, they had a posture to speak the truth. They did that the night, just we had the anniversary. I mean, how many people recognized it? I, I think I, I heard zilch. I, I, remember what, I remember when I was a kid and my mother loaded us up into old Betsy's, the 54 Ford wood paneling, white uh, wall tires. It was a the station wagon. Uh, it was a station wagon, and we went up to Boston to pick my dad up, who was coming into port there. And he said, "We got to go to Bunker Hill. We got to go to Bunker Hill." And let me tell you something: it was, you know, how things are always bigger than life. Did you think it's like when I first went to Plymouth Rock and I saw this little pebble uh, right there at the beach, you know, covered by iron bars? I expected the Rock of Gibraltar. I go to Bunker Hill. They got that tall silhouette building there. And I'm trying to imagine the Redcoats storming up Bunker Hill. I got to tell you, it just didn't fit the way it was promoted. What happened to Bunker Hill, Kev? I'm telling you, it's sad. The monument that took 30-plus years to build, they, they built it part of the way up. They ran out of money. They were going to tear it down. And 294 steps. But you, Curtis, in those days, in 54, you did the extra three steps up to the window to crawl up 297. I bet you did. Now, hold on a second, Kev. I was born in 1954. Are you imagining oh. that I was visiting Bunker Hill when I was birthed at Brooklyn Hospital? Oh, oh excuse me. I'm, I, I, I think uh, Carla John is carrying over on me. <laughs> <laughs> Carla John swears. That when he was 11 years old, he's 65 now, he saw I me. I figure that one out. Yeah, he, <laughs> he saw me in Hamilton Hill in Schenectady with two other guardian angels, and I called him out on that. And he was saying, <laughs> oh, I'm having memory problems, and then I have dialysis, and I can't see, and he's coming up with every excuse in the world. He was a but, fake and a fibber. So, so Curtis, long and, and short of it, what do we really have to look forward to in 2022, I, I will tell I mean, you. I, I will tell you. I will tell we, you, Kevin. What, what we you, just had new mandates put in. Yeah, this Here is, it is. This is December what you. This 16, is what you. 1773. Yep. They did mask up, Curtis. Yeah. They, this is. Uh, themselves. This is what you. Listen, listen to Paul house. Revere here. Listen to Paul Revere here, Mister Boston, Kevin. You want to survive the political muckraking that goes on in our country? You got to get deep, hip. Boots from your toes to your hips, because there's a lot of verbal flotsam and jetsam flying around out there. Bull feathers. You need deep, hip-hugging boots, because there is so much of it shoveled around. This side says, "Oh, we're the best, not like the rest." The other side, "We're the best, not like the rest. we don't make mistakes." Well, we're, uh, our stuff don't stink. You hear that on talk radio so much. It's just like a repetition of the same old, same old, same old, same old. That's not what. That's not the kind of talk radio I do. Hey, if people want that kind of talk radio, don't listen to me. 
I give you observations about what my perception is, and then I take calls from all of you about your perception. But please, don't repeat the hackneyed statements that you've heard on other talk radio programs, and you just keep going right on down that line. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican or Independent, it doesn't matter to me. You can be apolitical. This is theater of the mind. That's what talk radio is. My job is to paint the pictures. You connect the dots, whether you like it or you don't. This is entertainment first and foremost. I'm not in my bully pulpit trying to brainwash you into believing one thing or another. You think for yourself. Free thought. That's what's great about America. You have your own opportunity to mold your own opinion. And then you have an opportunity to try it out on WABC if you can actually chew gum and think at the same time. At 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jerry, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Jerry. Hey, Curtis. Hey, I voted for you. Sorry. I wish you were getting inducted, uh, you know. But uh, my question, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be one. But here's the thing. This Omicron, the Omnivirus, whatever, isn't this the one we all want? Isn't the one we should all get? I mean, we hurt, you know, everyone be sick for a little bit, thing and then next thing you know, we all have herd immunity. I don't get it. Why don't we take the mask off? Everyone get it. I mean, those that are sick, obviously, should be vaccinated. Whatever and you know all the comorbidities and you know you know whatever, but those that aren't just rip it off. Let's go on with our life now. Let's get this. We're sick for a couple of days, and then we all got herd immunity. Bang. B- believe it or not, Jerry, you know who uh, tweeted exactly that? Probably a guy you haven't agreed with before, LeBron James, uh, whose L.A. Lakers lost to the Nets uh, earlier tonight. But LeBron James actually said, "What's the difference between a common cold?" The virus that's back uh, basically took a powder since 2020 and COVID-19. LeBron James actually is in agreement with you, Jerry. I'm a little saddened by that. (laughs) (laughs) That's shocking, isn't it? You and LeBron James uh, are on the same page. I have to maybe probably rethink that then. (laughs) No, no, no. Actually, believe it or not. You've come to that conclusion over the last two years, even though you've been in disagreement with LeBron James, probably on most issues. He's come to that conclusion, even though he's probably disagreed with you almost on everything else. But it's just a matter of time. LeBron James tweeted out, just as you heard Jerry say, what is the difference between the common cold, a virus that we get every year, and now this new variant, uh, the South African variant, in which nobody has died from it yet? Nobody. Nobody. The one guy in Houston. Nobody has died from this yet. Fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. Oh, oh, oh. What do they call that again? It's Greek to me. Uh, the South African pirates. Hey, if you don't like it in South Africa where I have guardian angels in Cape Town, sue me. What can I say? Let's go to Rocco and Selden. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rocco. Curtis, I'd like to go back to that television commercial you had with the... Uh individual who had a psychiatric issue and uh, he was struggling a bit and everybody's standing 10 feet away and you had your arm around him and i i just thought i'd bring that up it was just so fascinating 
Yeah, well, Rocco, uh, I've been doing that for 42 years in my life as leader of the Guardian Angels. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, I have confidence to deal with people who are emotionally disturbed. I've been able to read them, uh, pretty much determine when they're a threat to themselves and everyone else when they're not. Uh, at times, it can be frightening because they can have a psychotic reaction right there, and you have to be prepared for the worst. But uh, these are just lost souls. They're, they're in need of help. And unfortunately, in our society, uh, Rocco, we would prefer that they just disappear. Uh, we, we don't want to see them. We don't want to have to deal with them. And government uh, is not treating them at all. In fact, it's just uh, pu- putting them in the streets, in the parks, in the subways so that they have to fend for themselves. You know, Curtis, that it was that commercial that proved to me that Curtis Lee, if he became the mayor, you would definitely do something about it. I'd also like to quickly discuss the uh, uh, televised debate there where uh, Eric Adams kept saying, I stand by my record, I stand by my record, I stand by my record. He would never answer any questions. And the one question he did answer was that he gave uh, de Blasio a B-plus rating. So I was I felt between, and, and you did a magnificent job, you gave him an F uh, rating. So I'm, I figured that, you know what, between the B-plus rating, the commercial, the humanitarian commercial there, I, I just don't understand how the people in the city of New York could not vote for you for mayor. I just thought I'd call and let you know. I live in Suffolk County, and we went all conservative Republican. Here. Oh, yeah, no, no, you did the right thing, as they did in Nassau County, and it'll probably have the same impact in the midterm elections. Uh, New York City, unfortunately, Rocco, it's got to get worse before it can get better. Uh, I understand what Eric Adams did in the debate. He was ahead in the polls, so he just played prevent defense. He didn't answer any questions. Uh, He'll have his opportunity to prove how much better he can be than outgoing Bill de Blasio. And let's face it, Rocco, anybody, I mean, anybody could do a better job than Bill de Blasio. He has single-handedly taken a wrecking ball to our city and destroyed the city that we love. Uh, So let us all hope. Uh, let us all support Eric Adams uh, in trying to uh, resurrect his city because Rocco, it is in horrible shape. Stores are closed. They're they're closed. That you see the signs for rent, for lease. Uh, you see the fear that people have every time there's a, a breakout, a new variant of COVID. Uh, they're just terrified. They're subservient to government. They they trust government too much as if government, you know, is going to take care of them from the cradle to the grave. So I just think a lot of people, for them, it's got to get worse before it gets better, before they have an epiphany, before they wake up and they understand that government is not the end-all and be-all, that people have to take personal responsibility and oftentimes use whatever resource they do to deal with the problem instead of always being dependent on government. It's not a very effective position to constantly hope that the person that you elected to be mayor or county executive or senator or congressperson or president is the Mashiach, because they promise everything, and they can deliver so few things. WABC New York. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
Now I need you more than ever. Oh, God. Sweaty, finey songs. I'm trying to keep people up. You know, in Soul Maniacs. And you're playing music that'll... Put them to sleep. Like my wife now, Nancy, was probably snoring so hard, like when I left, that she's peeling the paint off the walls and the cats are, like, jumping from spot to spot because of the snoring. Enough, 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 please. Let's go back to the phones. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And it's Steve in Central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Steve. Hey, Curtis. I've listened to your opening statements and things you've had to say since. Let me just expand a little bit. And you show a solid knowledge of WABC radio's history. And so you're aware of where ABC has failed in the pre- Pre-John Katzmatidis, where ABC has failed in the past, by violating one of Rush Limbaugh's cardinal rules and taking the audience for granted. I'm talking back in the 70s when they were premier radio station, and then, they, because they played the same tune over and over again, we, we abandoned ABC and went over to FM radio. Fast forward, ABC was then the premier news talk radio station until pre-John Katzmatidis several years ago. You brought, brought on too many pontificators, choking on their lobsters, and so we went over to the Formerly Fair and Balanced Network. The key is here. Don't take, and I'm one of the one percenters, Curtis, so you want to pay close attention. We give you a gauge on what's going to keep ABC on top. Sell us out at your own peril, or else we will become bloggers and podcasters. Some of us already do it, and we do it because we think we can do it better than you. We're not getting the alternative view, not even alternative, an alternative form of entertainment on your medium. Okay, so don't take us for granted. A cautionary tale this day after Christmas. Go ahead, Curtis. You have to say. Ah, well, you said it all. You said it all. Obviously, there are a lot of people who have their own blogs, have their own podcasts, because they want their particular point to be heard. I'm just suggesting that the podcast, which is the flavor of the day, is not uh, totally what talk radio is. It's being sold falsely. It is somebody just in front of a microphone talking, 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 talking. Rarely, if ever, Steve, there's their interaction. Right. I agree with you, Curtis. There are just some podcasters on there, again, pontificating. And by the way, podcasts come in different varieties. You know, They're playing music, bad music. They're doing the theater of mind bad. All right, so I agree with you. There's some terrible podcasts. Well, you know, Steve, that reminds me, Bruce, our board operator, maybe you should have a music podcast because your musical selections that you used to rejoin are so bad. Uh, I don't even think you would want to listen to your own podcast. I mean, you know it's a bad podcast, staff, when the person that made the podcast falls asleep while listening to it. I agree with you. I abandoned FM radio years ago, just so you know. All right, The, mu- the music has gotten terrible. I agree. And the host, a bunch of stoners. Let's be clear. What do you say, Curtis? Although WNEW, Freeform Radio, uh, Allison Steele, Steve Near, all those great guys, when they used to tell stories, little narratives about having to go to concerts and then hearing the certain uh, people that they would spin stacks of wax and it wasn't just all top 40, you know, they would basically take an album that you had never heard and play it. And then you, you, the potential consumer, could listen to it, pick it and pan it. And then all of a sudden, FM became just like AM when they were spinning stacks of wax. It had to be a hit. Got to play the hits. 
And then that was relocated, freeform radio, to college stations. College stations, where a lot of men and women in radio got their first opportunity, if not from the Connecticut School, school of Broadcasting. Uh, I preferred the old FM, though. Uh, the old FM freeform music when uh, the jock could come on and play songs that they liked that oftentimes you had never been exposed to. But commercially, they said, oh, no, it's not a success. Well, that was the whole idea of FM in comparison to AM uh, playing top 40 stacks of wax. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jeannie in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeannie. Thank you, Curtis. I'm wishing you a very wonderful, happy holiday, even though it's just finished. And thank you for taking my call, even though I'm not supposed to say thank you. But I want to thank you because you and Nancy did a wonderful job in the program this afternoon. And you did just what you said. You really uplifted me. I was feeling very sad because I've lost most of my family. I have no one except one relative all the way in Israel. And I didn't really have anyone to celebrate the day with. And that is terrible that when it's a holiday, you know, you just you can't celebrate. So thank you so much for that and for understanding that we feel that way. Well, well thing- Jeannie, uh, I yes. just want to. Uh, go back. I'll, I'll allow you to continue to speak. Don't worry yes. about that. But uh, based on what you were saying, how you felt, how other people felt from two yes. to four today, it's become our annual Sliwa tradition. Uh, I and Nancy, uh, we do two hours of live radio. But if you listen to our first caller, uh, it sort of says it all. It was Alex uh, from uh, Dallas. Right. First up in the queue all the way from Dallas, Texas, is Alex. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, to all of you down in Texas land with so many of our New Yorkers and New Jersey residents have fled. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Wow, what an honor. Nancy, Curtis, Curtis, I want to say I found you from the mayor race, and I saw you in a Howard Stern interview, and I saw Howard talk to you with so much respect, and he always talks down to people. I'm like, i got to go down the Curtis Lee rabbit hole. And then I saw that John Gotti tried to kill you, couldn't kill you. Then I saw you were a manager at McDonald's. I grew up eating at McDonald's. Curtis, I want to say you are my personal hero. I just, you know, watching your documentary, when my mom recently passed, and watching your documentary describing how you were there with your dad, when he passed away, that gave me the strength to be able to do it when my mom passed away. So I just thank you a lot, Curtis, because I got a lot of pain. I miss her so much, and you really helped me out. You don't even know it, and I just mean that from the bottom of my heart, Curtis. I really, I really look up to you, and I really appreciate everything you do for society. You're a really good human being. We need more Curtis Lewis, and and I, I have five cats. So we have toxoplasmosis, Curtis, from dealing with a fecal matter. That's a parasite that turns us into crazy cat ladies. But I love cats more than anything. So you really are a personal hero. I'm not kidding, Curtis. You have no idea how much you helped me in the past couple months. No, I know, Alex. And uh, the very reason we do a program like we do today, uh, many people would say, wow, why are you doing a live program? Because we understand, like yourself, there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who have suffered a loss, or they're quarantined in, or they're home alone, or they're just stuck uh, with memories, whether they're good or bad, and they need uh, a friend. And the friend is always here at WABC. Even if you're living in a place like Alex is in Dallas, Texas, where a lot of our fellow New Yorkers and those in Jersey and Connecticut have fled, people fleeing down there for a better quality of life, just uh, and it offers them so many more incredible opportunities. I'm sure your mom 
was a great figure in your life and your family's lives uh, and other people's lives. So keep those positive memories, as I do, of both my father, Chester, and my uh, mother, Frances. And you see, Jeannie, there were so many other calls just like that. Wonderful. Well, you hit the spot for sure, and I always feel ABC's like my extended family. I'm so grateful for all of you to be my friends. The other thing I want to tell you is you fell and hurt your elbow, and I've been trying to get you this treatment information, so would you please take it from me this time? This is a holistic uh, treatment. It's a a type of oil. It's a little bit thick. It's called castor oil, but you don't drink it. It's topical. Wait a second. I used to get castor oil when I was a kid, and I hated every second of it. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah, my mother used to give it to me in the mornings. Hey, it's castor liver oil, right? Oh, yeah. But this is a little different. It's not to be eaten or drunk. It's uh, topical. You you put it on the place that's painful. You place a piece of saran wrap over it, and then you put a heating pad on that and leave it on for 20 minutes at a low setting. The castor oil has very healing properties. It will sink into the skin and into the place, especially if it's like the back area that's hard to get to. Well, your elbow is very, very good for bones and mending bones. Um, so please, will you use this method? It's also good for Nancy if she still has any pain. Can you imagine? I'm going to go back to when I was a kid. And my mom, Francesca, would say, you have to take this uh, spoonful of castor liver oil. Oh, God, I hated it then. Now she wants me to smear it on my elbow. No, but it'll be very helpful. You'll see. All You'll right. See. All right, Jeannie. I wouldn't tell you if I didn't think it would help. I'm sure it'll, it'll <laughs> conjure up nightmares. Although, I think I'll conjure up a nightmare for our fellow talk show hosts and hostesses and suggest... To our owner-operator, John Casamitidis, said, next Christmas, all the hosts and hostesses have to do a live program, right? In honor of all of our listeners. What do you think about that, Chief? Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, why not? Why did they get, why, why did they get off on Christmas, right? We got all of our <laughs> listeners, many of them who are stuck oh. on their own, home alone. Why should, they have modern technology, they have Comrexes, they can do it from their own homes. They can't mm-hmm. give an hour of their precious Christmas day. Yeah. That would be lovely. And also, by the way, I really enjoyed listening to the um, uh, that poem that all of you joined in on. What was that Christmas poem called? You know what, which one I mean. Where you, you were speaking and Joan Hamburg spoke and each person of you gave a little part of the whole story. Bruce, Cousin Brucey did it also. Oh, you mean the night before Christmas? Yeah, yeah. So it was the night before Christmas and also the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to remind, that was lovely. You had to remind me of that. I've had enough of the Christmas stuff. I really have. Enough of the Christmas stuff already. It's time to move on to New Year's. That's right. And our part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, can't leave quick enough for me. Gracie Mansion has insisted that there will now be 15,000 people separated, masked up, who can assemble at 3 in the afternoon. The ball doesn't drop till 12 noon, and that's not going to be a super spreader event. He simply wants people who will be applauding the ball dropping so that in a drug-induced manner, he and Charlene McRae, as they dance atop one Times Square, can feel that all that applause is for them. It might actually be applause so that he just gets the hell out of our lives. Eight years. He's ruined it for us. Let's go to Cat in Massachusetts. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Cat. Cat fell asleep on me. You fall asleep on me, that's the worst possible thing you can do to me. 
Worst possible thing. Let's go to Tom in the Bronx. Uh, Tom, didn't didn't we talk to you already, Tom? Give me give me Tommy there. Oh, Tommy's gone. Oh, cat is there. Did you wake up from your slumber, cat? Hello, cat. Cat, you can actually hear is snoring in the background because she's from Massachusetts. She's confused. Cat. Are you there, cat? Cat going once. Cat going twice. Cat going down for the count. And hopefully you're having nightmares that your beloved Boston Red Sox are losing. Your Boston Bruins are losing. Your Boston Celtics are losing. Your New England Patriots, led by Coach Belichick, is losing. That you're choking on Boston cream pie and Boston baked beans because I hate everything about Boston. You understand that, cat? See, cat's listening. I know you're listening. This is reaching your subliminal mind. I will say this for you. The Boston residents have proven over time to be the most patriotic. Remember, they dumped the tea in the harbor. I don't know if it was Lipton tea or Tetley tea, but they started it all. Then you had the Sons of Liberty, right, John Adams? They were the true rebels who put it in the face of, uh, what was it, King Henry VIII? Oh, no, King Henry VIII, that's right. He beheaded his wife. Remember, we're going to be talking about that later on. Why the Episcopalians didn't have church for Christmas Eve or all day Christmas or any of the Protestants. Why the Catholics not only assembled in the Vatican, in St. Patrick's, in the Brooklyn Queens Archdiocese. What is it about the Catholics who decided to take the risk of possibly attending a super spreader event in their churches, in their cathedrals, yet the Protestants... In both their cathedrals in Washington, D.C., throughout America, their churches and most gatherings chose to do it virtually. And especially the wannabe Catholics, the Episcopalians. I mean, think about that. I was listening to Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. It was last week. And somebody asked him, what is your faith, Frank? I could have swore he was a Roman Catholic, right? But he said, oh, no, I, I, I tend to lean in the direction of the Episcopalians. What do you mean? You lean in the direction. You're either a Catholic or an Episcopalian. But, you know, the Episcopalians get it both ways because they can claim they're a Protestant. But they're also like wannabe Catholics. Oh, we're going to be discussing all that. Maybe all of you can actually explain to me why the Protestants basically had their churches closed. They had virtual service on Christmas Eve and Christmas. And the Roman Catholics decided to open up their doors, pack them in. You saw them there in St. Patrick's Cathedral in the Archdiocese of Brooklyn and most importantly in the Vatican where the Pope gave his Christmas Eve sermon and mask while the place was packed. What is it? Catholics have an immunity to the new variant, the South African variant and Protestant stone? Somebody's going to have to explain that to me. That's why you don't go anywhere and don't you dare fall asleep like cat in Massachusetts. Talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
since Christmas is over. Listen, baby, you know it. Oh, when you're dancing, yeah, you show it. Oh, when you move, 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 you know it. Oh, when you're dancing, yeah, you show it as you move across the floor. Not at the clubs, they're not at the restaurants, they're not at the bars. They're standing online to get these swizzle sticks jammed up their schnozzes in order to try to find out if they're positive to coronavirus and whether they're going to have to sit on their tush, their tukus, their dupa at home and self-quarantine for possibly 10 days. As a result of this overreaction, what happened? You had flights that were canceled, restaurants that had taken reservations, they closed, they couldn't get enough staff in, and it's just replicating over and over and over. And we're going to be discussing that later on in the show. But first off, I want to establish the protocol that needs to be uh, talked about in dealing with you as a talk radio caller, because we want you to call. We don't want just the same old, same old callers who dominate the airwaves uh, simply because you hear them and you just assume, oh, they're, they're always calling. I'm not even going to bother calling. Now, it is true, 1% of those who listen to talk radio, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, are the only ones who ever call. Well, what's wrong with the rest of you? I do a show that's dependent on callers. It's not dependent on guests. You know, occasionally I'll have a guest, but really... A lot of guests will put you to sleep uh, or just uh, bombastic tirades that I get into. It's only meant to satisfy myself and nobody else. So this is interactive. That's why they call it talk radio. I talk and then you talk. As long as you're not falling asleep on me, which is cheating. Because when you're listening overnight, it's theater of the mind, the other side of midnight. That's hosted by Frank Morano the other five nights. I host theater of the mind, the other side of midnight. Friday's going into Saturday and Saturday's going into Sunday as we're doing right now. So it's your opportunity to be heard. And especially with this subject that I am broaching, that seems to show a real chasm, a real divide between the way a lot of Protestants decided to celebrate Christmas by not going to church because their churches decided to have virtual gatherings, and the Roman Catholics decided to flex from the Vatican where the Pope uh, did his uh, Christmas Eve Mass before a full crowd. Likewise, uh, Timothy Dolan, the Cardinal, had his Christmas Eve Mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral with a packed crowd, uh, as were the Masses all during Christmas Day, to to packed ensembles. You looked at the Archdiocese of Brooklyn and Queens, they had a Christmas Eve Mass. Again, you couldn't find any room between the pews. And yet I'm looking at... 
St. John the Divine. St. John the Divine up by 110th Street, Morningside Heights. Huge cathedral, Episcopalian. And they decided they weren't going to have any uh, live uh, uh, live uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day sermons. That it would all be virtual. I look at the Washington National Cathedral, which I really never knew was an Episcopalian church. You know, to me, Episcopalians are like wannabe Catholics. I'll get to that momentarily. They want the best of all worlds. They want to be considered Protestant, yet they're closer to the Catholics. Try to figure that out. But they decided that there would be absolutely no live services at the Washington National Cathedral, which is an Episcopalian church. And I asked myself, well, what about the other Protestants out there? Methodists, Presbyterians, the old school Baptists, Southern Baptists. What about evangelicals and charismatics? What about all the various Protestant faiths that are out there? Did they have live services today? Or were things being done virtually? Why did the Catholics decide to break ranks and fill up their pews? My number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But the rules are such that if you're going to call in to talk radio, rule number one is defined by what I even pimp-slapped Rudy Giuliani on. Listen to as I interviewed Rudy the other day on Saturday, and I told him the rules and regulations are for everyone, including Mike Kumbaricic, the greatest mayor of the city of New York in our lifetime. On the line right now, Mike Kumbaricic, Rudy Giuliani, thanks for joining me today, Rudy. All right, Forrest, how are you? How are you? Uh, now, Rudy, I have I have a standard rule even for you, Rudy. What's it? You never ask me how I'm doing because I always say to the callers, I've had better days. Have you always had better days? Every day? Every oh, day, man, Rudy. Get you a good day. Okay. Every day. But you and I, we had quite a number of sit-downs yesterday, both here at uh, WABC. We did. We did. Oh, and not only uh, those days... On Friday, we substituted for Greg Machine Gun Kelly. We had two hours together. Oh, we were reminiscing. I'm telling you, we got some big plans. Uh, both Giuliani, Andrew, who's running for may- uh, for governor. I'm supporting him in his run for governor to unseat uh, Kathy Holcomb, which means nonsense, and running in the Republican primary. And I'll be joining Rudy out there. The three of us will be like the uh, three stallions as we go from Mount Laredo where we'll settle all scores from Mount Laredo and the farthest end, the south end, Tottenville of Staten Island, all the way to Erie County and Buffalo, New York, and to actually Kathy Hochul's home, where she claimed that she could see Ontario outside of her kitchen window. She did a little Sarah Palin there. Remember Sarah Palin, the governor of Alaska, chosen by John McCain to be his vice presidential running mate? I'll never forget when she was unveiled in that hangar, that airplane hangar, and of all places, Dayton, Ohio. I never could figure that one out. But she was best known as saying, oh, I can see Russia from my kitchen window. Oh, we're coming at you, Hokum, which means nonsense. That's really Kathy Hokel's new name. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And let me tell you, what got me thinking about the Catholics and the Episcopalians was something that Frank Morano said the other side of midnight. I think it was last week where 
somebody, one of the callers asked him who he more identified with religiously, and I think he said he lent in the direction of being an Episcopalian instead of what I thought he was, a Roman Catholic. And I tried to figure out why would that be? Because I know quite a few Episcopalians, the Church of England, Henry VIII, we'll go through all of that, off with her head, no more annulments, uh, I'm just going to kill my wives, uh, I'll be done with it and create my own religion, which he did, the Church of England. But if I, if memory serves me correct, the reason somebody like Frank would prefer to be an Episcopalian, because, you know, he's Calamity Frank, is they, I don't think they have rosary beads. So you wouldn't have to worry about, like Catholics do, carrying around rosary beads. I don't think they have any saints. You don't have to, you know, remember who all the saints are, like St. Rocco. You don't pray to Mary, the Blessed Mother Mary. Yeah, They don't... I, they don't adulate Mary the way Roman Catholics do, uh, whether it's the Blessed Mother Mary or the Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, I don't believe they believe in purgatory, Episcopalians, although uh, all of a sudden I was raised as a Roman Catholic, Baltimore Catechism. They told me there was purgatory for all those unbaptized babies who had passed away. They would go to purgatory, and then all of a sudden, purgatory, right? Gone. Oh, no, no, that's Limbo. Hold on a second. Limbo, not Rush Limbo. That was Limbo. They eliminated Limbo, which is where unbaptized babies would go to if, unfortunately, they had passed away. I don't think the Episcopalians have that in-between between heaven and hell, which is purgatory. You know, I always ask the nuns, what is purgatory? It says it's not hot like a furnace like hell, but it's warm, but it's not palatial like heaven. If anybody could explain to me what purgatory is, because I think that was one of the benefits of the Episcopalians, where you either went to heaven, you went to hell, there was no limbo, and there was no uh, purgatory. 1-800-848-9222. And I think, I think that if you were receiving communion, Catholics need not apply. You know, you couldn't do what Bill Clinton did down in Soweto in South Africa. He's a Southern Baptist. Remember, he had received communion at a Roman Catholic ceremony in Soweto. And I don't think uh, there's a conversion from Roman Catholic to Episcopalian, but I think there is conversion from Episcopalian to Roman Catholic. I need to be straightened out on those things because, quite frankly, to me, Episcopalians are closer to being Roman Catholics than they are being Protestants. Anyway, let's go to Carol's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol. Dear Curtis, you're absolutely right. Um, Episcopalians are very close to being Catholics. They don't follow the Pope. That's really the only difference. But I've been to Episcopalian services on Christmas Eve and Christmas, and we receive communion. We do everything, and some of the churches are named after saints. But in England and Ireland and Scotland, they have uh, the saints have different names. Now, were you they born, uh, were you, w- w- Carol? Were you born and raised an Episcopalian? No, Catholic. Now, why did you decide then to go to Episcopalian churches like Frank Morano did? Well, I didn't convert to uh, Episcopalian, but I have attended services. I still consider myself a Catholic. 
Now, uh, how would you compare the two from the time you were born and raised uh, to the time as an adult you would go to Episcopalian services on Christmas Eve? What are the similarities and what are the differences? It's almost exactly the same, in my opinion. The only thing is that they don't follow the Pope. They follow the Archbishop of Canterbury. All right, so uh, let's say, like in the case of Henry VIII, who broke from the Roman Catholic Church to start the Church of England, Mm -hmm. which became the Anglicans, which became the Episcopalian faith, that uh, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to, uh, let's say, break with your wife, right, in this case... uh, uh, you would get you an annulment, right. or, mm-hmm. or would you chop your wife's head off like uh, Henry VIII did? Well, he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but he did. The, the oh, oh, wait a second. Oh, yeah. The basis of your religion is the fact that Henry VIII decided he wanted an annulment, because I think he had more wives than I had, six, and he decided the Pope, in this case, wasn't going to give him an annulment, so he just chopped off his wife's head. I thought he wanted to get divorced, and the Pope wouldn't allow him. To. Oh That's no, no, you, you, you know what an annulment is, Carol? An annulment. Yes, I remember yes, I do. Joe Kennedy Jr., uh, who was the I son. Right. I think uh, he was the son of Robert Kennedy. I'm not quite sure, but Joe Kennedy Jr., uh, he was married for like 18 years to the same woman. He had like uh, three sons and daughters. And then all of a sudden, one day, he's chasing uh, a girl, decides he wants to marry her. And instead of just getting the divorce, he goes to the Vatican with Kennedy money. He buys himself an annulment as if that marriage and all those kids never existed. I know. I know. That's horrible. Yeah, well, maybe that's why I, I should have been a Lutheran. I should have identified with Martin Luther, you know, who tacked all those indulgences uh, on the doors. The problem was with Martin Luther, he was a virulent anti-Semite. So I have to, I have to forget Martin Luther. You see, we're getting involved in theology, in a theological yeah. discussion that may be a little too deep for some of our listeners. Anyway, our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This all came about because last week I'm listening intently to Frank Morano on the other side of midnight, who's saying he's leaning in the direction of being an Episcopalian, not a Roman Catholic. And I'm really saying, isn't it really the same? Except as Episcopalians, if you're not granted an annulment by your church, you just chop off your your wife's head, just like Henry VIII did. Founder of the Anglican Church, the Church of England, which spun off into the Episcopalian Church here in America, right? Because the Pope wouldn't grant him an annulment. Henry VIII, what did he chop off? Two of his wife's heads? Two? And this guy was the king of England and the head of the faith? And yet people will say, I'm Episcopalian, and I'll say, oh, you mean you're Catholic light. You don't have saints. You don't worship the Mother Mary the way Catholics do. You remember, with Catholics, it's like there's Jesus Christ and there's uh, the Virgin Mother Mary. It's like the Lady of Guadalupe. There's almost no separation. I think with Episcopalians, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the rest of them, they're low budget. Mary's low budget. Saints are low budget. They're like people of no consequence. How do you get that when you came out of the same religion? And again... Why is it that Roman Catholics were summoned to St. Patrick's Cathedral? They packed the rafters for the Christmas Eve Mass and all day long. 
as they did in the Archdiocese of Brooklyn and Queens, as they did in the Vatican, where the Pope uh, actually, uh, to a packed throng indoors at St. Peter's, did the Christmas Eve Mass. And yet, I'm looking at the uh, the Episcopalian uh, cathedrals. St. John the Divine, 110th Street, huge cathedral, closed. Washington National Cathedral, huge Episcopalian cathedral in Washington, D.C., closed, virtual. And I'm wondering what are the other sort of nuances that differ, and also how Episcopalians differ from their brethren because they claim that they're Protestants, right? Presbyterians, Methodists, Evangelicals, Charismatics, the guys who put the snakes around their neck and they're dancing with no shoes on, the hillbillies down in Ozark, Arkansas, which isn't far from where Hope, Arkansas produced Bill Clinton, one of the presidents of the United States. Oh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Joe Biden. Has a new German Shepherd puppy. I don't think that's too wise. First of all, look at what happened to his other two German Shepherds. It's almost like Buddy, the black lab, remember, that Clinton had? He brought to Chappaqua, the love shack, the whitest suburb in America, and then all of a sudden, Buddy, there's no more. Like, what is that, like 75 other friends uh, of Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton who have met their demise unexpectedly? And whatever happened to Socks the Cat was always fighting with Buddy. Why did Hillary and Bill Clinton choose the black lab Buddy over Socks the Cat? Whatever happened to Socks the Cat, right? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Feed, oh, please. Hippy dippy stuff. Bruce's hippy dippy collection of old vinyl. Get rid of this. Get rid of this. I ask you a simple question. Why did the Roman Catholics have church services as COVID 19 is spreading like wildfire? And yet the Episcopalians decided to close their doors. And by the way, Every time I've ever passed a wannabe Catholic church that's known as Episcopalian church, why do they have red doors? Is it like Elizabeth Arden Spas? Can anybody answer that question? Uh, Let's go to the calls. It's uh, Frank from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Frankie. Yes, Curtis, it's Frank. uh, Frank Morano. I got up to feed young Termine and... uh, I was bowled away by the sheer number of inaccurate things that you were saying, so I felt uh, obliged to call. First of all, first of all, it was Samuel Adams that would run around with the Sons of Liberty, not John Adams. In fact, the, the, the Sons of Liberty and Sam Adams actually protested John Adams when he represented that uh, British soldier during the Boston Massacre. So keep your, keep your Adamses straight. Now, when it comes to the Episcopal Church, you you did say many correct things, but a, a few inaccurate things. First, to, to answer your most recent question, why the church door is red, the color red symbolizes the, the blood of Christ, 
which is the entry into salvation to those that enter. So um, the red doors of the Episcopal Church in England once signified that the mortgage had been fully paid, uh, but now it signifies the, uh, the the blood of Christ. Oh, well, that's a convenient switch. Originally yeah, exactly. is the mortgage is paid, and now it's that's the true. blood of Christ. That is true. You see, that's I why I was making that up. That that's why true. Episcopalians, they don't know who they are. One minute they're Protestants, next minute they're Roman Catholics. They're confused. <laughs> well, you made my son You made my son confused. He's crying. Well, that's actually him crying. By the way, is Carmine now 16 pounds? Uh, I saw no, he, He's now worked his way up to 8 pounds, 4 ounces. Uh, from he was born six pounds when he was well six pounds two ounces when he was born he's now eight pounds four ounces but yes the the Episcopal Church they do describe themselves as Protestant yet Catholic now um, v- v- people like me you know who grew up in a Catholic Church these days would feel very comfortable in an Episcopal Church if you were to go to an Episcopal Church prior to the uh, Second Vatican Council when all the Catholic churches were still in Latin, then you'd see a big difference. You know, the, the Episcopal Church services were always in, um, in, uh, in English. But now that the Catholic services are in English, too, it's pretty similar. The, the difference is, as you pointed out, one, um, you know, Episcopalians don't believe in the miracle of transubstantiation, which I, I've always had a tough time. And now, now, hold on a second, Frank. Uh, stop using those $5 words, those multisyllabic words. Uh, I didn't know that there was an acceptability of those who were transformers. What, what was that? Well, uh, transubstantiation, if you're Catholic, the ca- Catholic dogma, uh, you know, teaches that when you when you take communion, what you're eating is is literally the body and blood of Christ. It's well, did anybody turning... tell Bill Clinton that when he received Roman Catholic communion in Soweto, the township outside of uh, Joe Berg? Did anybody tell him he couldn't do that as a Southern Baptist? You know, Bill Clinton, uh, he, 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 I mean, he's one of those guys. He just fits in in any environment he's with. Democrats, Republicans, Catholics, uh, Baptists, you name it. But um, And then uh, a lot of it is less the differences between the Episcopal Church and the Catholic Church. It's less... Uh, related to dogma and more related to practice. For instance, they let you have female peace, uh, priests and bishops. They let priests and bishops be married. And there's no central authority. Uh, Episcopalians don't believe in um, papal infallibility, and there's no like uh, grand poobah Episcopalian. No, it's no, a big but, role but, for but, a but they become cardinals and bishops. They're elected for life. You can't yeah. get rid of them. They're there for life. That's why they need term limits in the Episcopalian right. Church. That's right. That's right. Well, fair enough. I, I won't disagree. Could with you, you on explain that one. this to me? You started off this uh, explanation of why you're a wannabe Catholic that an Episcopalian is Protestant, but a Catholic too. Yeah. Well, that's what the Episcopalians say. So since the '60s, they d- have described themselves as Protestant, yes, ca- yet Catholic, uh, and they claim apostolic succession, tracing their bishops back. Uh, back to you know St. Peter. So don't you don't you I, think that's a little confusing? Both, I, I'm Protestant. It is, it is a little confusing. So uh, that's why you were attracted to the Episcopalian faith because you're just a contrarian, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it seems a lot less intense than Catholic dogma. They, they, you know, uh, confession is optional. You don't have to go to confession. I've never liked. No, the no, whole no. Hold on a thing. second. Hold on a second. You mean you can receive communion as a sinner? 
with a whole list, a yes, laundromat yes. Of, of sins and never have to confess them out first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, because um, a communion in the Episcopalian Church or in the uh, Anglican Church, Episcopal Church, whatever you want to call it, it's more it's more about the symbolic, uh, you know, body and blood of Christ. It's not literally turning into the body and blood of Christ. By the way, question here, Frank, back to my original premise. Why is it the Roman Catholics opened up their doors of their cathedrals to celebrate uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas and their churches uh, wanted as many people as possibly who would flock in in the midst of this COVID-19 uh, wave, this new uh, uh, ver- uh, uh, variety uh, from South Africa. And yet the Episcopalians and other Protestants decided, close the red door of the Episcopalian cathedrals, the huge cathedrals that have plenty of, of air circulation, like we see up in Washington Heights at St. John the Divine, like the Washington National Cathedral. Why the doors closed for the Episcopalians and Protestants and the doors open for the Catholics? You know, that's a good question. I've actually been thinking about it since you mentioned it. And the best theories that I can come up with are, one, Catholics tend not to go to church anyway. I mean, you see the, the the Catholic church attendance over the years. So what are they really losing by keeping Catholic church services open, right? So it's not as if it's not as if you're going to have 2,000, 3,000 people cramming in to a Catholic uh, church service and uh, except if it's uh, in an area that's on the southern border. And uh, then you have I think that's the one thing. Two is Episcopalians tend to have the the book of common prayer at home. So they can they can pray at home and do their thing just as easily without going going to church. Now let me ask you a question: Before you were married to Rachel, you were known uh, to have a few dalliances from time to time. Yes, if in fact, yes. if in fact you had sinned and you were at a Marriott hotel and you had the Mormon Bible and the St. James Bible, but you didn't have your book of common prayer from the Episcopalian faith, would God forgive you if you read from the Mormon Bible and the St. James Bible for the sins that you had committed, the sins of the flesh? Well, that's what's so great about the Episcopalians. You get the sense that, at least these days, maybe not in the days of King Henry VIII, that they're kind of okay with everything, right? You get the sense that, uh, you know, there's a big evangelical tradition, is a big Catholic tradition. You know, they they don't care if you you know if you're if you're if you're baptized Catholic. Uh, they just come to church. They're okay with everything. You want to read a Mormon Bible? They're, they're okay with it. They sort of don't they don't they don't overburden you with too many rules. You know, and you know one of the things that first attracted me when I first started going to uh, Episcopal services at uh, Trinity Church in Manhattan uh, was you know that afterwards, and this is right up my alley. They serve bagels and muffins after services. I've been going to Catholic services my whole life. Nobody ever served bagels and coffee and muffins, and it's nice. Not only do you get the bagel and the coffee, but you walk around, you talk to people, you know, you, you say, hi, how are you, and everything. It's a, it's a nice communal experience. It was a, it, you know, you, you feel much guiltier going to a Catholic service. You sold out for a schmear and a bagel at an Episcopalian church. You're sold Curtis, out. Are you aware how serious this cream cheese shortage is? I mean, if more religions were offering cream cheese, I think they'd do a much better job recruiting. Now, 
Uh, 50% of American marriages uh, end up in divorce. I hope that's not yeah. what happens with you and uh, Rachel. Well, yeah, as I'm, I'm hoping your, your three or four divorces will more than make up for my lack of a divorce. You but know, the statistics even out. If it ever crosses your mind now that you are a tried and true Episcopalian, are you going to try to do a Henry VIII and chop off Rachel's head instead of yeah, seeking an to, omen? I, I have to research the uh, the dogma of the uh, the uh, church these days and see if I can still get into heaven uh, doing that. I mean, obviously, I'd rather not do that, but I'd like the option. What do you think of the man that created your religion, Henry VIII? It came all about because, because the Pope the Pope kept warning him, you can't keep chopping off your wife's heads. Right. Well, I don't have that favorable an opinion of King Henry VIII, but, you know, I, I tend not to view the 21st century Episcopal Church by the standards of 1536, right? So, I, I uh, you know, I, if, if they start enforcing some King Henry VIII uh, rules, you know, and look, you mentioned some of the problems with Martin Luther. They, they still call their religion Lutheranism, you know? I mean— uh, uh, you know, at least at least we don't call it Henryism. Uh, on that note, Frank Morano, I'm going to let you retire. Back to bouncing the 16 pound carmine on your knee. And yeah, it's a great way to stay in shape. And subjecting him to having to listen to talk radio, which if if I had Dyfus's number or child welfare, I'd call him right now and have them take Carmine away from you and Rachel. Yeah, he's, he's still a few years away from uh, affecting our listenership in the six-plus demo, but, uh, you know, he, he, it's good that he's forming these habits now. Thank you, Frank. A proud Episcopalian, a Utreditor who was a Roman Catholic and decided to turn in his Baltimore catechism for, what was that, the Book of Prayer he mentioned, the Book of Prayer from the Episcopalians, because it's Roman Catholic light. You heard it from Frank Morano himself. No rosary, no saints, you don't pray to Mary, there's no purgatory, it's Catholic light. Always wanting an easy pass, that's Frank Morano. But still, nobody out there has explained why is it the Roman Catholic churches will open Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? You saw them all over the country. You saw them uh, led by the Pope in the Vatican. And yet, for the most part, from everything I've seen, Protestant uh, churches, especially Episcopalians who want to be Catholics who identify as Protestants, they had their cathedrals closed. They were having virtual service. one 800 do you think that Frank Morano enlightened us anymore about Episcopalians? Hell no, he didn't. 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Katie, who's calling from Danbury in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Katie. Curtis, I love you. I wish you were the mayor. Um, I just want to make a correction. The Catholic Church does not worship the Blessed Mother. We have a devotion. A lot of People have that misconception. You had mentioned that earlier, just before Frankie. And, like, I love Frank Morano, too. So I just wanted to let you know that the Catholics do not worship. We have a devotion. Kate, let me ask you a question. We have the rosaries. The Episcopalians don't. Why is it the Hail Marys are equal to the Our Fathers? Well, I can't speak to that, but I do know that it's the Hail Mary came out of um, 
uh, Luke in one of his, I can't quote the, um, the verse or the uh-huh. chapter. Uh-huh. We do Hail Marys and Our Fathers because the Blessed Mother Virgin Mary, a.k.a. the Lady of Guadalupe, has a special place in the Roman Catholic Church, which is right next to Jesus, her son. I know my Baltimore catechism. Oh, and even though I'm an AMP Catholic, ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday, uh, you won't see me for a month of Sundays. I have not done what Frank Morano has done and absconded as a Catholic to become a wannabe Catholic who identifies as a Protestant, an Episcopalian from the Church of England, which was started by Henry VIII because he wanted to chop off his wife's heads and not seek an annulment. And he couldn't explain that either. Curtis. Yes. I wasn't aware that Frank was going to go with the Episcopalian aspect. I know he was oscillating between the two, but. But you, you see, know, yeah, you see uh, Katie, Kate, he, he took the easy route. No rosary, no saints, don't pray to Mary, no purgatory. That's what he did. He took the easy route out. Let's go to Ellen, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Ellen. Yeah, hi. First of all, I want to thank you very much. I listened to you this afternoon with uh, your your wife, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. That was a a great show. And I really enjoyed it. And we're going to continue doing that every Christmas, two hours, two to four, live program for all the folks who are at home alone. Yes, I know. I heard, and I want to... I want to thank you very much for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, Frank Mana refuses to do a genealogical history. Wow. He won't go to Saint uh, uh, Salt Lake City and get his background checked? No. A number of people have asked him if he has ever done genealogical history. And his excuse is that he doesn't want to give his DNA to anyone, to a stranger. No, you know what? Just you, today. Yes, go minute, ahead. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Just today, a thought occurred to me that it would be very funny if his son Carmine, when he grew older, decided to do it. Ah, an act of rebellion on behalf of his son Carmine. I like that. It would be very funny if his son, when he got older, decided to do the genealogical history. Well, you know, Ellen, uh, you see the uh, advertisements uh, every five seconds on TV. You know, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, they don't say the Mormons will do your, your background, your DNA check, but that's what they do at Salt Lake City in their big cathedral. Yes. I bet you their big cathedral is open today for all the, the members of the Church of the Latter-day Saints, although I really don't know that. Maybe there are listening Mormons who can uh, straighten me out on that. The main cathedral here in New York City, which is in Columbus Circle, or the the premier uh, cathedral that is in Salt Lake City. But you, you, thank you wow. for bringing that to my attention, Ellen. Thank you. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And yet we have yet to have somebody call in to explain why the Protestants had their churches closed, most of them especially the Episcopalians, who identify as Catholics but want to be thought of as Protestants. Talk about a confused uh, religion. 
uh, that Frank Morano has bought into. He's turned in his RC card for an Episcopalian card. Why? Because it's so easy. You don't have a rosary, no saints, you don't pray to Mary, there's no purgatory. You know, it's for, the, it's for people who can barely chew gum and think at the same time. It makes it very easy. I figure he would take the easy route, right? Uh, let's go, if we can, to Larry calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Larry? Yeah, hey, Curtis. Okay, I'm, I'm a Jewish guy, but I don't, and I don't really know too much about the Catholic faith, but it's, I know about theology in general, okay? You know, it's very possible that you're, that you're shortchanging the Episcopalians because, you know, Karl Marx, you gotta, you, you can't detract everything from him. He, he did have some wisdom to him. He said that religion is the opiate of the masses. Now, when he was talking about religion, he wasn't talking about God or Jesus or anything like that. He's talking about the formal expression of religion. I don't think he's talking about faith itself. Now, if the Episcopalians want to do a little hedge trimming and, you know, basically what it's all about is keeping yourself alive, okay? Because you're worthless to God if you're dead. So if they want to reap the authentic parts, what they think is the authentic parts of Catholicism and save them at the same time as saving their life, you could turn this whole issue on the Catholics and say, oh, they just want to be up for a show because they're the, you know, they're the premier religion in the world. They want to show off. They have to keep their doors open. It's like Times Square. It's always 24 hours a day. It's got to be open. Otherwise, you couldn't say the city never sleeps, right? So, you know, maybe the Episcopalians have some authenticity to them. I, I didn't investigate, but I'll know, I know one thing. In the Jewish religion, the first obligation is to keep yourself alive. And that's why all of these ultra-Orthodox shuls that are open during the pandemic and they cluster in like bees in a hive, they're not expressing what God wants. Mm. They're just putting on a show. Mm. Now, Larry... Uh, now that you have called up identifying yourself as Jewish, I think I know why Frank Morano does not want a DNA test uh, to check his uh, genealogical chart uh, through the uh, Church of the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons in Salt Lake City. Uh, you know what his last name means, Larry? Um, a, a, con- a converted Jew? Well, I don't want to go there because that sort of impugns his character. And uh, <laughs> I didn't like the fact that he called you up with so many corrections. <laughs> but uh, Well, that's typical of Frank, right? I mean, you would expect that. But I'm telling you, the whole term Morano is used as a term for a conversion. When all of a sudden, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand sold all their jewels and gave it to the Jewish explorer, Christopher Columbus. Yes, out of Genoa. He was Jewish. He was not Roman Catholic. And he said, I'm going west, not east. They got him out of the way because they were getting rid of all the other Jews in Spain. Uh, It was the Inquisition. So either you converted, like Frank Morano's genealogical chart would show us, and live now as a Roman Catholic, or they would lop your head off like King Henry VIII did to two of his wives. That's why he doesn't want to find out the truth, Larry. Could be, could be. But what's in the name, right? Maybe maybe the name doesn't mean anything. Maybe he's really Italian. Who knows? Just remember, he doesn't want that DNA chart, that genealogical chart to determine that at some point, some Murano back in history was down on his hands and knees. And all of a sudden, the executioner was there and said, 
I see you've had a bris. You're a Jew. You either convert, become a Murano, a Roman Catholic, or it's off with your head. And unlike other Catholics at the time who decided, no, uh, you will kill me, I will martyr myself, I will go to heaven uh, to be there with Jesus and the apostles and Mary and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, the Murano family decided, hey, it's a lot easier just to become a Catholic, right? <laughs> a lot easier. <sighs> Maybe we should give him his bris now, you know, it's nothing like to say, it's never too late. By the way, we never did ask him whether he is going to have his son Carmine christened at Mount St. Laredo in the Roman Catholic Church, in the Episcopalian Church, the Holy Trinity Church, and whether uh, young Carmine has had a bris. We never really got that personal, did we? Nor will we. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Personal uh, musical collection here. What's that? The Bee Gees? What happened? Who is that, Bruce? Melissa Manchester. I never liked her before, and I like it even less now. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I can't get one straight answer. And notice in Frank Morano calling up defending the Episcopalian faith. He never once answered the question of why were their doors closed today in all their cathedrals, and yet the doors in the Roman Catholic churches and cathedrals were open. Likewise, most Protestant faiths had virtual uh, virtual services, not live uh, services. What's the difference? Especially if you're an Episcopalian and you describe yourself as being a uh, like a Catholic but really a Protestant, which means you're completely confused. Just like Frank is. Let's go to Renee in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Renee. Curtis, you know the Catholic Church is like the church of the world. You know, people like to go the world way. They don't like to go a way, you know, with discipline, like the Pentecostal Church, for example. You're not going to take communion if you are not in right standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you know you could be stricken with sickness. You can die. You know, that's consecrated. You just can't touch the elements like that. I'm not just saying you, but a person in general. Oh, no, no. I know, Renee. In fact, uh, I will not receive Holy Communion because of the litany of violations, of misdemeanors, uh, of menial sins, of mortal sins that I have committed in my life. If I am ever to receive communion, I'm going to need a a bunch of priests to hear me. They're going to have to take like maybe three days straight. And they they don't even have enough priests nowadays to be able to hear confession. So I'm sort of stuck, Renee. You know what I mean? Because you got to confess all of your sins. You can't leave any of them out. But you could go to God. You go to Jesus with that. You go to Jesus with all these sins and things that's in the way. But now, Renee, this is my problem. You know, you've heard a lot of politicians like, uh, for instance, Ted Cruz, 
who says that he's had conversations with God. Uh, Bush 43 said he had conversations with God. How come every time I try to call up God and have a conversation with me, he never answers my call? I would believe that you go to him with all your situations that you face with and by faith believe that he heard you. I think uh, that uh, Jesus is like a talk show host who sees me calling and says, I know that guy, Curtis. I don't want him to give me a cauliflower ear. I'm just going to keep him on hold. You know, like we do with some Weisenheimers who call up here at WABC. I think Jesus has kept me on hold. I'm telling you, every few days I try to have a conversation with Jesus. I listen to all these politicos. They say they have conversations with Jesus. Ted Cruz, Bush 43. I'm a Republican, right? How come God doesn't talk to me? And I know he sees me, my number calling from my cell phone and just puts me on hold. Like Phil does some of our callers here at WABC. Let's go to Mike in New Rochelle. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Mike E. Hello, Curtis. Merry Christmas. I'm sorry I don't have a religious subject to talk about, but you did bring up pre-Beatles radio before, and you struck a raw nerve, because I'm a record collector for over 40 years. All my 45s are pre-Beatles. And I was wondering, what would I have been listening to in 1964 when that format changed and everybody in New York was jocking the Beatles, every station, you know, what happened to all the good American rock and roll that came out before that? How about uh, Jay Black and the Americans? You know, that was the number one American group before the Beatles came over. They used to pack them in, Madison Square Garden, arenas all over the country. Jay Black and the Americans. I met Jay Black in a subway station after a CBS FM 25th anniversary. You know, recently he passed to the hereafter, but a great story about Jay Black and the Americans. They were the number one group in America. They had played Madison Square Garden three nights in a row, packed out the house. The manager got paid uh, by the promoter. Uh, the manager goes to pay Jay Black and the other members of uh, uh, the Americans. And the IRS raids the joint because Jay Black was a degenerate gambler. He owed all kinds of money to the IRS. They took all the proceeds from the three days, and it was the family members of Jay Black and the Americans who had to give them tokens so they could get back to Brooklyn, where they were all from. I never heard that story. That, you know, thank God they replaced this time slot with an educational program because that other one was... An absolute disaster. Thank God you're back on at, uh, in, in the evenings. I was wondering, is it possible to speak to you off the air for some advice about radio? Ah, advice about radio. Yes, sir. Well, 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 I can give it to you in public. There are a lot of people that are interested in radio. What is it you'd like to know, Mike? Well, I used to produce mix shows for 103.5 KTU. Oh, I love KTU, the Italian Stallion Station. When they first broadcast disco in 1978, they had 40% of the market listening. I love KTU. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? If I wanted to contribute older music for your station... Would it be feasible to compile an hour's worth of music and send it in there as a fill-in, not as a regular spot, for something different? Well, i tell you what, Mike. Uh, and hold, I, I, hold, I'm hold, not hold. aspiring to be a radio host. I'm not the one. 
what I did was bridge the songs together with dialogue from old movies, old television shows, and old radio programs. Well, I tell you what, I I tell you what we'll do, Mike. Uh, Put you on hold. Phil, take Mike, take Mike's information. We'll turn it over to Matt Meany, a man who uh, has no humor uh, flowing through his veins and arteries, our brand new program director. And we'll see if he gives you a whirl and a twirl. Hey, look, our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, uh, has live programming morning, noon, and night. Unlike when he first bought the station, right at the lockdown, the beginning of the pandemic, when half the time there'd be infomercials on, or the best of, which is always the worst of. Imagine they have the nerve to put on the best of, when in fact, oftentimes it was the worst of that host or hostess to begin with, and then they repackage it and say, oh, best of. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, you can't, you can't fool me. It wasn't good enough to listen the first time. And then all of a sudden you repackage it and say the best of this host or the best of this hostess. It wasn't good enough to listen the first time. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Pete calling from Passaic, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Pete. Yes, Curtis and anybody. The most beautiful, fascinating thing to me about Catholic theology, the correct theology, that is, is that we are the adopted children of God. We are not the children of God. We're adopted through the Blessed Miriam, the Blessed Mother, because she's Jewish, and all of salvation graces to the world, all of them come through the Jewish line. We're Gentiles, so it is through the Mother Uh, like Eve was the mother of all of the living in the book of Genesis. And Miriam, God made the Most High, made it so that she could be the mother of all of the living. So we are adopted children of God uh, thanks to her and through her. That is brilliant. And by the way, uh, you have nuns and you have sisters. If I remember correctly on my visits to the convent, because both of them were very chaste, very pious, unlike the priests, the nuns were married to Jesus. They would have the gold ring on their right hand. You know, uh, when we get married, we have our uh, ring. I'm feeling it right now. Yes, it's still on, Nancy. I haven't taken it off. Uh, the ring is on our left ring finger. But if you notice, when the nuns become nuns, they're basically taking a vow of poverty, of chastity, and devotion to Jesus Christ, because it's as if they're married to Jesus, so they have their ring on their right ring finger. Did you did you detect that, Pete? I, I never knew about that. Yeah, and, and the difference between nuns and sisters and monks... You see, because in my mind, a monk was always like the male version of a sister uh, or a nun because they were monastic. And eventually a monk could become a priest, could be ordained into priesthood like a brother, uh, men who are not ordained. And, oh, did I used to make fun of the brothers at Brooklyn Prep because they were the teaching order. You know, they were teachers. And I would say, hey, Mr. French, you know what your problem is? He'd say, oh, why don't you tell the class, uh, Curtis, uh, you, you couch uh, psychiatrist, what is my problem? I said, Mr. French, you're frustrated because you're not a priest. He'd hit me so hard, my head would spin around my shoulders like Linda Blair in The Exorcist. But I knew, I knew he realized he was a brother. 
he wasn't a full-fledged priest, and that got under his nerves. And I can still feel my neck bulging from that slap in my head. Oh, yeah. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Listen, baby, you know it. Restaurants closed, even though they had reservations. Leading into Christmas and into New Year's, they just don't have enough staff. Why? Because they've been uh, hit with a COVID-19 positive test. And now they got to sit on their tuchus, uh, on their dupa, for 10 days. It's real Michigash. We'll get into that later on in the show. Because there's so many conflicts here that just don't make sense. But instead of dealing uh, with COVID-19 and the Delta variant and the South African variant, I want to stay on the religious tip for one second because, remember, with the birth of Jesus Christ uh, that Christians celebrate on Christmas, I think it was soon after that uh, Jesus in the manger, along with Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the camels and everything else, is visited by the three wise men. The Magi, right? The Magi, right? The three wise guys. I mean the three wise men. The three wise guys. Wasn't that the old show on New York One that had Ed Koch, Alphonse, Sally Boyd, D'Amato, and then Mark Green? Both of them hated Mark Green. They hated him. They loathed him. They despised him, right? The wise guys. But the Magi, remember, there were three of them. And I knew they weren't Jews. There's no doubt about it. And it seemed like that they were following a star or an astrological sign, which some religions consider to be uh, demonic, uh, representative of a heathen belief system, astrology in general. Oftentimes you go to organized religions, they say, no, that's like witchcraft, that's like sorcery, uh, that's like uh, being a Wicca, 
uh, or a witch. And yet, from what I remember, and maybe some of you out there can correct me, the three wise men who were schlepping across the desert and following that astrological sign and came across the baby Jesus in the manger, were they Babylonian? Were they Persian priests? Apparently, they had interpreted dreams. They were into astrology. And that's how they found Jesus, right? And then they uh, provided him with all the gifts. At least that's what we were told when we were younger and we were growing up. Well, then, why is it if they were using astrological signs to find the baby Jesus and they believed in astrology, that so many organized religions early on uh, in their initial uh, initial interpretations uh considered uh, the use of astrology to be almost like a form of demonic uh, witchcraft. Oh, yeah. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You remember Nancy Reagan, wife of Ronald Reagan, used to chart his astrological signs and urge him, beseech him, look, don't schedule a meeting with Gorbachev because uh, astrological signs are not favored uh, in your direction now. Delay it for three days, four days. In fact, she didn't want uh, Ronald Reagan, her husband, the president, going to that meeting in which uh, Hinckley emerged and ended up almost killing him and uh, paralyzing uh, Jim Brady, his uh, press secretary. According to the astrological signs that she had studied, he should not have gone to that meeting that day. So I ask all of you, how important are astrological signs? I know to me they're very important because when I get my hard copy of the New York Post each and every day, I don't read the sports section first. I don't read the paper from back to front as if it was uh, I was a rabbinical student, you know, reading the Talmud or the Torah. I go right to the horoscopes. And I'll bet you there are a lot of people who believe in horoscopes. A lot of people who probably bought the New York Post, which is most famous for its horoscope section, simply because they had such accurate horoscopes. Like, for instance, I'll look up my horoscope right now on uh, the iPhone here. Let's see. Let's see. They got uh, Aquarius. Yeah, Pisces. Hey, here it is. Aries. March 21st, uh, April 19th. I'm March 26th. Adopt a wait-and-see attitude before pushing ahead with your plans. The cosmic picture is a bit changeable at the moment. So what you do this week may have to be undone around the turn of the year. What's the rush? Time is very much on your side. I oftentimes will utilize my astrological charts, the horoscope, and make decisions based on that. Now, some people will say you're absolutely out of your mind. To put so much faith and so much weight into a horoscope in following your astrological signs. I believe in it. It's been right so often. Got to tell you, I've made some decisions that have kept me out of double trouble based on my horoscope. Other times, I did not heed the advice of the horoscope and I got into double trouble. Oh, absolutely. The number one reason I get my New York Post is to read the horoscopes. Then I read the sports section. Then I read the current events, which gets me nauseous. Then I read the editorial page, which is like nonstop, all the same, no variety, very little variety. So I start with the horoscope, then the sports, then the current events, and then the editorial page. Don't read the business page. It's not for me. Although I know for many people, it's the number one uh, go-to reason that they might get the newspaper. And page six, none of it. That's all gossip. 
That's all for the wash women and the wash men out there. They love the gossip of page six. Another very important reason that people will pick up the New York Post, the hard copy, which less and less people do so, or go online for it. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And we also got to talk about how the Biden family has decided it didn't work with one German shepherd. It didn't work with a second German shepherd. So what did they do? They got a baby German shepherd, a little cub, and they're going to get a cat. And I would say, having seen President Joe Biden's lack of luck with his German shepherds, remember he already broke his foot once, supposedly chasing the newest German shepherd. Who was that? Uh... Oh, forget what his name Major was, remember, adopted, how he was chasing Major around as he was coming out of the shower stall, grabbing its tail, and then he busted his leg. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to, uh, who is this? Uh, Baina? Baina in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Baina. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, Curtis. I'm just calling briefly, dear. I wanted to ask you, because my mother was thinking about being a mother superior, and then she changed her mind. She went on to college and, you know, helped me get into medical school. But I wanted to ask you, please, you said that uh, the, the, the nuns and the priests, the mother superiors, the, the, the nuns, they take a poverty and chastity, uh, uh, you know, the three devotions. It's poverty, chastity, and what else, please? Uh, celibacy. They're chaste. Oh. They're chaste. They oh, cannot have sexual relationships of any type because the nuns, more so than the sisters, and I, I stand to be corrected on this, but the nuns actually go through a ceremony in which they are married to Jesus Christ and they end up having a gold ring on their ring finger on their right hand, whereas uh, oh. you and your marriage would have your ring on your left ring finger. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, and again, Happy New Year. Now, now you never help. you never explained uh, your mother wanted to be a mother superior? Yes, yes. So, uh, so had, she, had she become a nun or a sister? Uh, she almost did. She almost did. She almost got lured into the convent, huh? Well, she was in the convent. She was in the convent when she was a teenager. Now, you know why a lot of girls... Uh... Oh, 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 Curtis, Curtis. No, 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 no. No, no. My mother, because her mother was, was very religious. So she truly, she truly, and as a chaste teenage girl... Yes. Uh, ...and teenager, wanted, and uh, as a chaste a woman, because my mother carried... My mother uh, continued on after she was 20, but then she decided to go into college, and she met my father. Oh, yeah. Now, question, then, was she the oldest daughter in the family? I think so. I think so. Is it the youngest of the daughter, or, the, or is the oldest of the youngest who usually does that? No, no. In a, uh, a Roman Catholic uh, family, especially amongst the Irish, Italians, and the Polish, but there are other uh, uh-huh. ethnic groups, too. Uh, the mm-hmm. oldest daughter would go to the convent. The oldest son would go uh, to the seminary to become a priest. Ah, well, thanks a lot. Okay. Yeah, no, no, they would. And then the other reason that sometimes, and you stopped me because you knew what I was going to say, the reason uh-huh. that a uh, young teenage girl would be sent ah, to the convent okay. is they were bad ah. girls. Right. And the yeah. nuns well, would straighten know. them out. We we have to save the girls. We got to save the girls and help the boys. Okay, dear. 
That's for sure. And that gives me okay. uh, entree into the story. I think I've told it once before. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In fact, let me know if you are aware in your own family lineage, unlike Frank Morano, who doesn't want to know anything about his DNA, will not allow uh, the Church of the Latter-day Saints uh, the Mormons in Salt Lake City to do a genealogical check on him. And I know why, because we know what Murano means. Although they claim it's a disparaging thing towards people who have the last name Murano, we know why he's a Murano now. But put that aside. How many of you, when you trace your genealogical chart, uh, somebody in your family became a nun? or a priest simply because they were the oldest son or the oldest daughter, especially in Italian families, Irish families, Polish families, who were almost always uh, born and raised Roman Catholics. And did that create problems? Like it did for my grandfather, Anton. I'll tell you that story momentarily. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So there on my Polish uh, side, is Anton, my grandfather, who came from uh, Limanova, uh, near the border in Czechoslovakia. Uh, it was in the highlands, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of dairy farms. And so he was the oldest son of my great-grandfather. And so he reached the age of, I think it was 17, and my great-grandfather sat him down at the table and said, You know, Anton, you're the oldest son in the Schlieva family. You got to go to the seminary. You got to you got to do us proud. You got to become a priest. Now look, your sister, the oldest sister, she went to the uh, uh, she went to the convent. She became a nun. You got to become a priest. Uh, he looked at my his father, my great grandfather. Hell no, I ain't becoming no priest. Uh, so that night he packed his bags. He escaped. He headed to Krakow. He learned to become a master craftsman in which he uh, was designing eventually the cabins on the ocean line as he was recruited uh, by the uh, steamship companies in Liverpool in England, recruited there to make the cabins with a bunch of other craftsmen, earned his way over to America, came to Ellis Island. Uh, the guy interviewing him said, Schlieva, oh, you're Polish. He said, yeah. Well, I guess you want to go to Chicago because that's where most of the Poles go. And he said, yeah, I'll go to Chicago. Uh, ended up taking a train to Chicago by himself. Ended up walking around in the streets looking for people on the south side of Chicago that was all Polish, Ukrainian, and Slavic at that time. And he was looking for Poles, fellow Poles from Limanova. And he ran across uh, two recruiters for the United States Army. This was right at the time that Woodrow Wilson, the president, had declared war against uh, Germany, Austria, and Hungary, and was joining Britain and France in their war. And Italy, yeah, Italy was on our side in that, World War I. Uh, and so they're walking around, they're recruiting Polish guys, and they run across my grandfather, Anton, and they say, oh, you're Polish. He says, yeah. He says, oh, you know how to ride horses. Because naturally, uh, in their mind, all Polish guys were great cavalry guys uh, like uh, Pulaski was, uh, the general from Poland who came over and helped George Washington and created the U.S. Cavalry. He said, I never rode a horse in my life. They say, you're lying. Uh, you've now joined uh, Uncle Sam. You're in the U.S. Army. You're in the cavalry. They shipped him over to France. They put him on his first horse. He rode it uh, a few hundred feet. He fell off the horse. He uh, he uh, busted his shoulder. And the sergeant in charge of the cavalry division said, Oh, I guess you weren't lying, Sliwa. 
Uh, you don't know how to ride a horse. So they gave him a gun. They put him in the trenches. He got trench foot, mustard gas poisoning. He survived World War One. They sent him all the way back to Chicago. And his remarks uh, were, what a great country America is. It's great to be American. Now, you think nowadays people would uh, have those kind of remarks if all of a sudden they got drafted unexpectedly, sent overseas, fall, fell off a horse, broke their collarbone, ended up being put in a trench uh, with a gun, ended up getting mustard gas poisoning and trench foot, and then all of a sudden was shipped back after World War One, and ever thereafter saying it's great to be an American. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Bob in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bob. Uh, yes, uh, I'd like to change the subject. Uh, the woman with the uh, police women who uh, hit, had a taser, I think it was a racial thing. I think that if the person that she had shot would have been white, she wouldn't have been charged at all. Just like at January 6th, I think the one Ashley Babbitt who was shot, they didn't even bother to look for what policeman uh, shot her. Well, no, it was a, uh, uh African-American police officer, I believe, who shot uh, him and was cleared in an investigation. But you think uh, this was simply a racial situation in that town of Brooklyn outside of Minneapolis? No, no, I'm, I'm talking... the. Taser thing. The, uh, yeah, yeah, that was woman, the, yeah, the, no, wo- the woman who she, who was going to shot, taser. And if the person was white that she shot, they wouldn't have even charged her. All right, so that's your perception, uh, but you you do understand everything that led up to that. Yes. All right, so uh, the person in question uh, that they stopped in that traffic stop, whose name was uh, Dante Wright, I believe, correct? Okay. All right. And then remember, it was because uh, one of his tags were expired and he had one of those air fresheners dangling from his rearview mirror. That was the reason for the initial stop by uh, the female cop uh, who was the training cop. She was a veteran and the two other police officers who were not as experienced who stopped him. They did a background check uh, while they had stopped him, realized he had an outstanding warrant. Uh, in fact, uh, an arrest warrant on a previous gun charge, I think it was in Chicago when he was there. And he was expected to go to court in a few weeks uh, when he was uh, charged and then released because uh, he, he had pulled a gun on a woman and robbed her at gunpoint. Uh, and that's when uh, this young guy tried to make a break for it, jumps in the car, tries to speed away, and she grabs uh, the gun instead of the taser, even though she's yelling, taser, 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 shoots him once, and he ends up dying. Right, but if he were white, uh, I don't. I think they would have just uh, said it was an accident. All right, well, look, uh, that's your observation. Let's obviously go to the phone, see if other people were in agreement with you. The jury came to their conclusion after four days. Uh, Do you respect the jury's decision, Bob? Uh, I I think they were uh, a little severe. I think that if if it was a white person that 
she would have shot. All right, but put aside, put aside, the, uh, put aside the color for now. Let's just uh, yeah, deal I with. I respect their decision, but I, I think they were severe. All right, and uh, would you have charged her with negligence? Would you have given her any jail time instead of the two charges no, of manslaughter? I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have given her jail time. I, I, I think that it was a. Uh, a definite accident, and they would have written you off as an accident. All right, well, let's find out from our other listeners. They've had more than an opportunity to mull over the decision of that jury in four days. Coming on the heels of uh, Derek Chauvin killing George Floyd, and then before that, a case that's often not discussed, uh, although it should be, because uh, in 2016, in another suburb outside of Minneapolis, a Hispanic cop named Yanez had stopped Philando Castile, who was with his girlfriend and their child in a car. Uh, he had told the cop, hey, look, I got a license to carry. And then uh, apparently in a uh, back and forth, the cop uh, told the jury that he felt his life was threatened and he shot Philando five times. We had a chance to see for ourselves the aftermath because the girlfriend, remember, had live streamed on Facebook right after the shooting. It looked like a really bad shooting, and yet the um, the jury in that case exonerated the police officer on a second-degree manslaughter charge and two counts of dangerous discharge of a weapon. Uh, I think that really uh, sort of lit the uh, wick long before George Floyd uh, in that same area uh, was killed by uh, Derek Chauvin. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Gina in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Gina. Hi, Curtis. I just wanted to say, you know, regarding the police officer and the unfortunate situation, I respect the verdict uh, that the jury comes to, except I know when I served on jury duty one time, and I've served many times, it was right before Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, people were undecided, and they just came to a conclusion because they wanted to go home. And when I heard that the judge wanted them to go back to you know, continue to deliberate, I'm not sure they really gave all the consideration because it was right before the Christmas Eve holiday, and I remember my experience. That's one thing I wanted to say. The other well, thing before, about- before you go on to the other thing, uh, what was the jury you were serving on? What was the case that you were hearing? Um, at that time, it was, um, let me see, now that was the first time I served jury duty, and at that time it was um, a young woman accusing a young man from the same community of a gold chain snatching and some other you know, um, things that came out in the testimonies. Uh, was the uh, jury unanimous in their decision, or were you going back and forth? Well, the jury was not unanimous. People were falling asleep. Some people were totally uh, annoyed that they were starving jury duty. And then the day before the Thanksgiving break, you know, they just, like, said anything. You know, and I was, like, the youngest person on the jury at that time. And I was disappointed in the way a lot of the citizens were handling their responsibility. Now, what what decision did the jury make in that case? Guilty. So you your feeling was that if they had waited longer, maybe deliberated after the Thanksgiving uh, Day break, they might have come to a different conclusion or it might have been a hung jury. Yeah. 
Wow. I think that they had to wake. I mean, not think. I saw they had to wake one woman up, and she just came to anything and didn't pay attention to anything that was said. So she really didn't want to be on that jury. That's correct. That was what I saw with my very own eyes. And I was the youngest person at that time on the jury, and I was very disappointed with what I saw. All right. Now, that was the first time. Did you serve a second time on a jury? Oh, I served many times after that, yeah. And I was the fourth person on two cases. Now, what um, what influence does the four person have over the other jurors? Since at your first jury, there was a four person. You were not the four person. You were the youngest. No. And then later yes. on, you were a four person. Uh, did you have an ability to steer people because people look to you to be uh, the go-to person in the jury? Well, not not as an influencer. I didn't steer anybody with my influence. What I did do was try to keep people focused and not talk over each other and then reiterate some things that were said that other people really weren't paying attention to what was being said. Now, you've had how many experiences uh, participating uh, in juries, Gina? Well, together about five times. Oh, you're a veteran. Okay, you've done your jury uh, duty. You never copped a plea and claimed, hey, yeah, I know that person. Uh, you got to get me out of here. Uh, what changes would you make based on your experiences? What, what would be a better jury system based on what you experienced? I would never persuade the jury to come to a conclusion because it was a holiday weekend or or a Thanksgiving where people have to shop and prepare food. And, you know, I would definitely make them wait till after the holiday because people want to just get home and get it over. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, sorry for that. That was uh, a misfire by uh, Bruce, who was getting excited listening to his uh, musical collection that isn't worthy of anybody listening to it. He was actually sneezing at his musical choices. <laughs> But anyway, but, so your but, your situation is you would never, as a judge, have a judge say to the jury, hey, look, uh, it appears the majority wants to convict this guy, but there's a minority who says no. Maybe the minority should start thinking like the majority. I, I would never say that, especially before a holiday weekend, which is what I'm talking about, that I saw that people just came to a conclusion to get out of there, to go home. Now, what was the, the best uh, part of being a member of a jury in your, the five times that you served? Well, for me, I just, I'm, I'm a real community person, and uh, I, I really like people. And I'm, as a kid, you know, I used to read the Sunday newspaper, if you remember the justice stories. Oh, yeah, they're still in the daily news. Yeah, well, I don't pick up the paper as often as it was in my house growing up, you know, because my parents made sure we had the paper in the house every Sunday with the bagels and the biology, you know. And the schmear, you had plenty of cream cheese in. <laughs> and, and we still do here in Bay Ridge. There's no shortage. <laughs> so the justice uh, section of the Daily News uh, uh, encouraged you to want to get civically involved and serve on a jury. I just always found it very interesting you know, to pay attention to what people had to say and to analyze the situation and to try to come to an honest conclusion about, you know, the interactions 
Now I've been involved. I've been involved with a few cases, all of them involving Gotti Jr.'s attempt to kidnap me and kill me. And I found that at times juries would make decisions after lunch because they wanted the free lunch first. You know, human nature, there's, there's a lot of petty stuff that infiltrates a lot of what people will do. You know, I, I believe that. But um, can I just talk about the other topics? Of course, of course. It was very interesting because oftentimes jurors are not as open as you have been about the process, uh, the good things, the bad things. Uh, most most times, people who've served on juries, they really don't want to discuss it at all. But go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Gina. But I think what I was saying was just an analysis of human nature. It really wasn't about any case, you know, except that you asked me some particulars of the first time. But um, the other thing is the, there's a difference between astrology and astronomy. And in the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 18, I think starting from verse uh, 9, it talks about how uh, the um, the people of God were uh, discouraged from following idolatry, which included astrology. And they were um, taught to focus and to trust God, not the stars. But astronomy, which which is a science as opposed to astrology, which is a pseudoscience, because it isn't really uh, consistently provable. Right. But in so, the case uh, in the case that we do know where Nancy Reagan, wife of Ronald Reagan, constantly referred to astrological charts uh, to advise the president when to meet, when not to meet, when he was in danger, wasn't he, uh, when he wasn't in danger. It appears that at that time he took that meeting uh, and ended up almost getting killed by Hinckley, that she had warned him that very day not to take that meeting based on his astrological charts. Uh, what would you say about something that was so pertinent to his health and his welfare? I would say her woman's intuition was a big factor in that as well. I wouldn't give all of the credit uh, to the astrology. I would say the love for her husband and her intuition kicks in, you know, big time. That's what I would say. Now, in, in reference to my own habit of always reading my horoscope, in fact, the primary reason I get the hard copy of the New York Post is I read my horoscope first, then the sports, then the current events, which gets me nauseous, uh, then the editorial page. Uh, what does that say about me consulting the stars? Well, I would say that you're interested in it uh, the same way like I'm interested in human nature. You know, like it, it sparks a uh, some, a, a deep-seated interest in you, and um, and you have your own barometer. I'm sure if there was something ridiculous, you wouldn't buy into it, you know. But I want to tell you, when I was a kid, and I'm the same age you are, Curtis. I used to read the Ching Chow. You remember that in the newspaper? Sure. And I remember Ching Chow giving me the best advice I ever got. <laughs> so there you go. What was what was that advice? Oh, one time it was if I did more listening than talking, I would learn a lot. If you did more listening than talking, you would learn a lot. That's what my grandfather, Fidelo Bianchino, told me. He said, one yam, cheat to cheat, fatali fatali tu, or isafora kesakais. Basically, listen, uh, you learn before you start talking and yakking away. You got to know what you're talking about. In essence, uh, I was just boiling it down. But he was saying, cheat to cheat, stay quiet and listen.
Yeah, I, I would say to your grandfather today, sono d'accordo. And also, I would say that when I was a teenager, I was a real motor mouth, so Ching Chow helped me out. So you were a real yenta back then? No, just a motor mouth. Like, I was full of energy, and I, what was on my lung was on my tongue, my mother used to say. But not gossip, no. So what was on your lung was on your tongue? Right. Just like you, Curtis. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh, boy, you could have been a you could have been a talk radio show hostess, Gina. Well, I have a Brooklyn accent, so I didn't go in that direction. But <laughs> although, as much as they make remarks about people with Brooklyn or Bronx accents, and they say, "Oh, you know, it's not going to be accepted by the rest of America," they couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Look at all the people on television and movies have had strong New York City accents who have done extraordinarily well. Well, then I'm going to write a letter to Mr. Casamitidis. Maybe he'll consider me, put me in some kind of training program. Yeah, no, no, but you I should. You, this, you should. I'm glad. I'm so glad that you're on now these uh, Friday and Saturday nights. You know, really and truly, I'm so glad that you're on. It's great. I love the show. I love listening. God bless you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Gina. Aspiring talk show hostess at the age of 67. She says she's as old as I am. And she's going to put pen and paper uh, to hand and write. You know, she's old school. She's going to write a snail mail, a letter to John Katsimatidis suggesting that she get into a training program to become a talk radio show hostess. I hope he doesn't tell her to listen to podcasts. Hey, why don't you listen to a few podcasts? Not. That's not what talk radio is. Talk radio is what we're doing now, live and local, although in this case, broadcasting the 50,000 powerful watts of sound of 38 states, parts of Canada, and even uh, some sailors on their way down to Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle between Bermuda and Bahamas have, uh, it has been mentioned that the last things they said is they were listening to Frank Morano on the other side of midnight that you can hear Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And now the issue that we had touched upon before. There are some people that should not have pets. They just shouldn't have pets. When it was first revealed that Donald Trump as president would be the first president never to have pets, I knew that was okay. Because Donald Trump was, you knew he was not pet friendly. You just knew it. You look at the guy. (laughs) <laughs> not pet friendly. A pet would not have done well uh, in the Trump household. They just would not have. But for some reason, President Joe Biden is insistent with his wife, Jill, that if you mess up one time, you mess up two times with a German Shepherd, you try three times. And I'll explain. He was giving his annual Christmas message to troops across uh, the world. And he was doing it vis-a-vis Zoom or or, uh, Skype or whatever. And he had a little baby German Shepherd that was tussling with him, was biting his suit jacket, fumbling all over the place, you know, giving the president a hard time. And I said to myself, wait a second, this is one guy at his age that should not have a German Shepherd. Remember, originally he had a German Shepherd, I believe it was called Commander. Commander. No, no, that's the new, that's the new puppy dog, Commander. I think it's like 16 weeks old. Frisky, jumping all over the place. 
Guaranteed there's going to be a calamity with this brand new German Shepherd. But if you remember, his original German Shepherd that died at the age of 13. In fact, it was this, uh, I think it was this uh, past year or so. Uh, was, uh, he actually got it, I think it was called Champ, when he was vice president at the Naval uh, Observatory when uh, Barack Obama was president. And the German Shepherd was best known for chasing Joe Biden's uh, errant golf balls. Then remember the Biden family adopted Major in 2018, uh, who was a rescue German Shepherd, and teamed up Major with Champ, except Major had this habit of biting people at the White House. Uh, Everybody who would come near Major would get bit. So they sent him to receive more training. And then if you remember, there was a point there where I believe it was last November that the president was getting out. Remember, he had just won election. The president was getting out of the shower stall, uh, and then he tripped on a rug after he claimed that he was chasing uh, the dog, Major, and grabbed him by his tail, which, let's face it, that wasn't the smartest thing in the world, Joe Biden. So he busts his, his foot. I don't know if he was snapping a towel at Major. You know, that sounds like something that President Joe Biden would do. Or maybe Vice President Harris was encouraging to do that. Boy, that's a quick way, his slip and fall, in which he'd be out of it. I don't think getting another German Shepherd is the wisest thing to do. And then Jill Biden, oh, excuse me, Dr. Jill Biden, his wife said, to all of the uh, servicemen and servicewomen that they were talking to on that Zoom conference uh, uh, video message uh, uh, to wish them all a Merry Christmas, that they're going to be getting a cat soon. Now, that's not going to work out. I can just tell you from experience. First off, this German Shepherd puppy, commander, is frisky to begin with. They're going to get a cat. Do you remember the story of Bill Clinton's cat, Socks, who was in the White House with uh, his black lab buddy, and they were constantly fighting? Remember that? And then all of a sudden, I'll never forget when Bill Clinton had a sit down with his secretary. Trying to remember what her her name was. Betty Curry, I think, his secretary. And he was trying to nourish her memory about uh, Monica Lewinsky. And he eventually gave uh, his cat socks to Betty Curry. I've never heard uh, what happened to socks after that. But he decided he was going to stick with Buddy his black lab, his chocolate lab retriever. And then they left the White House, and then they went to the Love Shack in Chappaqua, you know, the whitest, uh, the whitest suburb uh, in America. And unfortunately, the chocolate lab buddy faced an untimely death when apparently Bill Clinton was throwing tennis balls that the black lab would always retrieve, and this time it ran into the street and got squashed into a speed bump. Another friend of Bill and Hillary who mysteriously died under bizarre circumstances. Whatever happened to Socks, the cat? Remember that he gave to Betty Curry 
1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. If anybody can recall what happened to Sox, the Clinton cat that was given to Betty Curry the moment the Clintons had to pack up all of the items in the White House that they ransacked and took to the Love Shack in Chappaqua, they took to Black Lab. Uh, Betty Curry took Sox. We've never heard from Sox again. If any of you know you win a Curtis Sliwa booby prize, don't ask, don't tell. We throw nickels around like manhole covers. We're too cheap to indicate what it is. More than likely, if you get the answer, I'll send you some of my belly button lint in a hermetically sealed envelope with lots of scotch tape on it, and I'll send it COD, cash on delivery. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And how can we forget El Capitan? Remember the fate of El Capitan up there at the executive mansion in Albany on Eagle Street. El Capitan was the tried and true friend, the husky of Andrew Evilized Como, King Como II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Como, King Como I. Remember, Andrew, ascendeme to see you provenos fachi. And like your father Mario, you were. But when he decided to resign and leave the executive mansion, he had left El Capitan behind on the grounds. And I, seeing it as my role, decided that I would try to rescue with Nancy El Capitan. So we sped up uh, to the governor's mansion on Eagle Street. We spoke to one of the Smokey the Bear state troopers who was on the other side of the uh, iron rail. And uh, we said we were there to take El Capitan since uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo had abandoned him and was staying out in the Hamptons at the compound of his brother, Chris uh, Fredo Cuomo. And the uh, a sergeant, actually, uh, the state trooper sergeant, an African-American, said, please, Curtis, take El Capitan. He's nipping at us. Every time he sees a gray uniform of a New York state trooper walking around, the dog attacks the state troopers. So I was more than happy to rescue El Capitan the moment the spokesperson for Andrew Evilized Cuomo heard Curtis Sliwa was going to rescue his dog El Capitan. He said a thousand times no. He dispatched uh, some kind of dog trainer to the executive mansion. Uh, He took El Capitan, and the last time El Capitan was seen was on the Cuomo compound, on the Cuomo yacht, uh, off the Atlantic Ocean there near Southampton, Standing by with uh, proving to be man's best friend, because how the hell could you be a best friend to Andrew Evilized Cuomo if you're Al Capitan and he had abandoned you? My suggestion is, Joe and Jill Biden, don't try to raise that 12-week-old baby cub German Shepherd, because if the president had problems before... With the adopted two-year-old German Shepherd busted his leg. Just imagine what's going to happen with this frisky baby uh, German Shepherd, and more importantly, the cat that they want to adopt from a rescue uh, center. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. New York's talk station with the King of New York, Curtis Lewa, seventy-seven WABC. Oh God, Ben Morrison, get him out of here, Bruce. Your your musical selection is like the worst, the worst. But, but you heard that uh, you heard that promo. Yeah, listen to uh, the uh, various podcasts: Rita Cosby, Bernard McGurk, uh, Joan Hamburg. Right? Uh, listen to them now, which would mean you're turning me off to listen to these podcasts. How stupid a promo is that? 
You know, they put the promos on without even listening to it, right? Oh, my God. I really hate, I loathe, I despise Van Morrison. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Frank from Hempstead. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Frankie. Uh, good morning, Curtis. How are you? Oh, now, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, hold on. Can you... Uh, uh, give me a selection of Frank Morano there and the how are you thing. Yeah, you just pick one. This way I can sort of correct all of our audience before they go down that uh, uh, that rabbit hole. Sherry's in Brooklyn. Hello, Sherry. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Good. Now, you see, Frank, uh, I always answer, I've had better days, so you don't even want to answer that question. No. All right, yeah, you, you, you got Kabish? No, 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 no. Kabish? I, I have a point I wanted to raise. I didn't, you know, uh, I just woke up. You, no, all right, you know, no, okay, you all right, I'll accept that, I'll accept that. Go I ahead, appreciate that. go ahead, Thank you. Yeah. But my, my point was when you were talking about uh, uh, the, the Bible as far as the wise men were concerned, they, they never saw Jesus Christ as a baby. They saw him as a child. And if you look at Matthew uh, 2, verse 11, uh, it says, and... and when they were coming to the house, they didn't say anything about a, a, a manger or anything. Uh, and so when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. People have typically taken the two, the two shepherds that were out in the field who was instructed by uh, the angel that uh, uh that for some reason they moved them and they moved the wise men into that spot. But those were, those, those were not – those were shepherds. All right, so now the, and they should be they should be in the nativity scene, not the not the because they 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 picked them up uh, when he when you I'm stumbling over myself. No, no, it's okay. You just woke up. Uh, I give you Thank forgiveness. You. But now let me get this straight. So the image that I saw as a child, you yeah. had the uh, magi, the three uh, wise men. Uh, I, yeah. I guess they were Babylonian or Persian priests. I I I, I seem to forget. And they were following this star from far away, and it took them to where the manger was. So it wasn't the manger that they discovered. It was the manger, no. Huh. I think, and also whoever was, I don't know if it was the Pharisees or who was in charge at that time, but remember, he had instructed them uh, to go out and, and kill all the kids from one to two because Jesus was already born uh, when they went there. So I, I think that people, if you look at that, if you look at Matthew two 11, you'll see in there that they place him as a child. They never discuss him as a baby. Uh, and they sat down and worshipped him and gave him the gifts that they were talking about. But the the ones who actually who should be getting credit for standing there were the people who were uh, uh, who were who were following uh, the shepherds. I guess many things. The, but, two, uh, the two shepherds. They they got no. Yeah, I, could, I don't I don't know what religion they were. They were they time. were treated as people of no consequence, right? Even though they played a very important role there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you but know again, they might have been. This. If you look at, look at the nativity scene, like everybody's front lawn. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Everybody's front lawn, and and you look, it's not it's not based by scripture, and they just carried got carried away with the entire thing. Well, you know what it is. The Bedouins have never been given their due. I'm sure the shepherds might have been Bedouins, and they've always been considered like the lower caste. Yeah, could okay. have been. And by the way. Uh, you go to some Italian households uh, on their front lawn. They'll, uh, lawn, they'll have the uh, manger scene, you know, with the baby Jesus, Mary, uh, the shepherds. Uh, they'll have the sheep. Uh, they'll have the three wise men, and then out of nowhere, they have a pink flamingo. 
You ever see those plastic okay, right. pink yeah. flamingos? Yeah. It's like, what the hell is that doing on your front lawn with yeah. the manger scene? Yeah, I, I, and also, if, if I could add this, uh, the 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 scene has just been played over and played over and played over and played over, and so people have accepted it. Yeah, you and see, so, uh, yeah, you put, I, I go out and I see people's homes that decorate their homes, and they got they got the, the, the manger scene there. So it's just, but if you look at it, if you really look at the scripture, you'll see that they met Jesus, and it says in the scripture at his at the house of his parents. And notice, Mary was there, but no Joseph the carpenter. Ah, he brings up a very interesting revelation that I had never, ever really given any thought to. Why were the shepherds uh, low-budgeted when they were there looking after the baby Jesus, right? I, I believe they were Bedouin. I don't believe that they were uh, Jews. Uh, I don't believe that they were Pharisees. Uh, I don't believe that they were heathens. I believe that they were Bedouins. Which you can even find now if you go to Israel. When I was in Israel, uh, I remember meeting Jews who still believe in uh, uh, blood rights uh, that if uh, you somehow have disgraced the family uh, as a daughter uh, by marrying or running away with somebody who was not the preferred choice of the father, uh, they can go out and kill you. Oh, yeah, the Jews. And then there are the Bedouins. Uh, they're out They're throughout Israel also. I think the Bedouins can serve in the military in Israel. I think the Jews can serve in the military in Israel, although I stand to be corrected. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Robert in Calverton, Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Good morning, Mr. Sliwa. Yeah, good morning. I have rescued quite a number of cats ever since I've lived on my own. And right here in the middle of my block where no one else cares, I've rescued 13 of them. Wow. And I adopted one from the local local shelter, too. Wow. So and one of them, unfortunately, didn't make it. He was abused. All right. Now, how did you come across these uh uh, cats were they from the local shelter? Had they been given to you? Did you find them as strays? Um, I really don't think there are strays anymore. <laughs> Maybe there's a few, but most of these cats are dumped by people in this neighborhood, except for the feral colony on the corner. Now, how did they survive the feral colony, and who gives them food and who gives them water? Kind people like myself. We'll feed them, give them water, and even take some of them in if they can trap them or they get friendly and they can catch them by hand like I have. Oh, and how have you done that? Explain that because oftentimes uh, a cat that's used to living outdoors, it's very difficult to walk up and pet them or even bring them into the home and have them uh, be domesticated. Yes. The ferals, uh, neighborhood cats as they call them now, Almost all of them have to be trapped. Then you can try and socialize them with yourself while you get it spayed or neutered if it's not, and also medical care, uh, eliminate pests, uh, fleas, worms, whatever. (laughs) Ticks are especially bad here. Yeah, there's a whole laundry list of things that you have to do to benefit that cat. Yes, um, Really, they all deserve a good life. 
Well, they do, and unfortunately, there are too many people uh, who, as you said, they'll have a cat or cats, uh, and then for whatever reason, they'll want to surrender them to the shelter, or they'll just turn them loose in the streets. Uh, and then, uh, because they may not be spaded or neutered, then they start procreating, and it causes more cats to be roaming around, and then neighbors see them as a nuisance when really they're a help warding off rats and rodents and mice, and it's like oh, an yeah. endless cycle. Endless cycle, Robert. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, for a while, whenever a cat died, the next year, months later, another one would come to me. After this happened a few times, uh, the only thing I could think was God sent me a replacement. <laughs> no, I would think likewise because uh, you're cat friendly. There are some people. It's like, for instance, my mother, Francesca, when I first introduced her to Nancy, I brought her to Canarsie when my mom was still alive, and actually she said to me what she had said so many times before when I would bring uh, my lady friend there, do you love her? I say, yes, yes, I love Nancy. You say, well, you got to do the right thing. You got to marry her. Uh, but uh, my mother was terrified of cats. So when I was explaining who Nancy was, that she uh, had rescue cats and she had a cat colony, my mother, having grown up in an Italian household, they were fearful of cats. They, they had this old wives' tale in their head that you wouldn't leave a baby out near a cat because uh, the cat might maul the baby. So she was always fearful of uh, cats because of how her mother, Nicoletta, had raised her to that every time she would see a cat, stay away because a cat, not just a black cat, but a cat in general would generally mean bad luck. Well, that's not true. Um, <laughs> I rescued a black cat last year, and to dispel the superstitious myth about them, I named him Lucky. You named him Lucky. Oh, that's great. He is Lucky. I, I, I cared enough about him to take him in. He was friendly. He was abandoned, neglected, um, underweight, malnutrition, flicks, fleas and ticks. And he wasn't new it either. So I took care of him, and uh, he's become a very sweet cat, uh, real friendly. Oh, yeah. And there's so many uh, out there, uh, Robert. In fact, uh, you can you can come across abused cats, cats who have been physically tortured or beaten by whoever's company they were with. And you can see the cat has a very difficult time uh, reacting to another human being because they see human beings as a constant threat. And so it even takes a longer period of time to try to befriend that cat so that that cat no longer has their guard up all the time where they're hissing at you or they're reaching out, uh, you know, with their paws ready to strike at you because they sense that human beings are a threat to them. And unfortunately, maybe the way they were raised or where they were living, it was like that. So it becomes that much more difficult for a cat rescuer. I've seen my wife, Nancy, uh, domesticate so many of those cats who had been horribly abused. I mean, horribly abused. I like to catch these uh, folks who do that and give them a little bit of that same treatment. Anyway, up next, so we've got to revisit the fear, fright, hysteria, and hype of this COVID testing. Gizmo is the star. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Listen, baby, you know it. Oh, when you dance, you know it. 
tell me How you gonna do it if you really don't wanna dance By standing on the wall Get your back up off the wall I heard all the people say Get down on it Yeah, what you gonna do with an hour to go? It's time that you get on the groove and you make those phones sing and ring, except in this case, in this one-on-one that I have with all of you, there are certain rules and regulations that you've got to abide by as a talk radio caller. You know, others here at WABC, they don't care. You can ask them, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How the wife and kids? I'm out on mind. Then there's so many of you that will thank uh, me or someone else for taking your call, even though we've given out the numbers like every five seconds soliciting your calls, and you're acting like you should be thankful to us. No, we should be thankful to you. And then please don't ever start with a first-time call or long-time listener. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As an example. Here's Frank Morano, who is guilty of what I'll call a double entendre. Chris is in Brooklyn. Hello, Chris. Hey, how are you, Frank? Great. I'm well, Chris. Thanks for asking. And I'm doing well, too. The weather's getting colder out here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Do you really think that both of them were doing great. Do you really think, and in fact, Frank Morano launched into that uh, good news bear scenario with Chris right after he had ripped in uh, on this tirade about something that was bothering him. But all of a sudden, oh, he's doing great. And then all of a sudden, no, 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 Chris, I'm doing great. Well, I don't just relegate it to people like Frank Morano or to Chris in Brooklyn or to any of the rest of you callers. How about to my own Kumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, who a Saturday ago when I had him on the show that I'm on from two to four, I had to straighten him out also. On the line right now, my Kumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, thanks for joining me today, Rudy. All right, Chorus, how are you? How are uh, you? Now, Rudy, I have, I have a standard rule even for you, Rudy. What's it? You never ask me how I'm doing. Because I always say to the callers, I've had better days. Have you always had better days? Every day? Every oh, day, man, Rudy. Get you a good day. Okay. Every day. But you and I, we had quite a number of sit-downs yesterday, both here at uh, WABC. We did. we did. Oh, that's hush, hush, mush, mush. Pretty soon you're going to see uh, the three horsemen out there. Andrew Giuliani running for governor. That's the guy I'm supporting to replace Kathy Hochul. Hochul means uh, nonsense. Uh, supporting him in the Republican primary against Congressman Lee Zeldin from uh, Suffolk County and Rob Astorino, the former Westchester County executive. Uh, we're going the whole nine yards. It's going to be me, Rudy, Mike Kumbadichich, and Andrew Giuliani coming to... Uh, one of the 62 counties of New York State where many of you are living in. But it's not just those of you in New York State that we're talking to. 
WABC is 50,000 powerful watts of sound, the most important news talk radio station in the nation at this hour of the morning, reaching 38 states, parts of Canada. And as uh, some have been heard to say on their way down to Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle between the Bahamas and Bermuda, uh, they cited listening to Frank Morano on the other side of uh, midnight before they went down to Davy Jones's locker. But let's start with the flu. You know, the flu was like invisible in 2020. It's returned with a vengeance. All but disappeared. It's back. Both uh, both the flu and the COVID-19, it seems like uh, they're airborne. And then you have the common cold, the common cold. And let's look to an authority like LeBron James, who I hate, I loathe, I despise most of the time who actually uh, posted a a meme of Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man pointing at the uh, cold Spider-Man pointing at the normal flu virus and Spider-Man pointing at the COVID-19 virus and then asking what is the distinction between all three of them and to me, that made a lot of sense. And then coupled with that was the golfer Phil Mickelson, who tweeted out this past Thursday that if this new variant is contagious but not deadly, with 25,000 cases reported in Africa alone and no deaths, why try and control it? Why not let it go and let people get it and develop immunity, especially for those who won't get vaccinated? And that leads us to the bigger question. There are presently 39 million of our fellow Americans who refuse under any circumstance to take a vaccine. Not the first shot, not the second shot, not a booster. Are they our enemy, ladies and gentlemen? Because increasingly, government officials seem to be demonizing them, seem to be vilifying them. They've been bribed. They've been cajoled to get the vaccine, yet they have decided to dig in and say no. That We have been told that the reason the virus has not gone away and it's still around is because of these uh, people who refuse to get vaccinated. We don't demonize the virus. We don't demonize Red China, a.k.a. mainland China. We demonize the unvaxxed. And now we're starting to demonize the undervaxxed. So if you only had one shot, that's it. You're a demon yourself. You should have had your second shot of Moderna or Pfizer. Or you should have at least had your booster already. 15% of the U.S. adult population has not gotten one shot yet. They are the greatest risk to get sick or die. But it just seems like all of a sudden... We want to make an example of them. Is this correct? Or should we just leave well enough alone since so many have gotten vaccines? And now we've started on this uh, penchant that if you're not vaxxed, you're, you're unpatriotic. That if you're unvaxxed, you're a zero. If you're vaxxed, you're a hero. But in order to be a double hero, you have to have your boosters too. And if you're unvaxxed, 
Government officials are telling us, even if they're a relative of ours or a very dear friend, we should tell them, stay the hell out of my house. I don't want you anywhere near me. What are we to do now as we turn American against American? Again, it's not just the unvaxxed. It's not just those uh, uh, who have chosen to make a last stand and not get a vaccine. We're also basically saying that about people who have only had one shot. Are they the enemy? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to Andrew, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Andrew. Oh, Mr. Sliwa, Curtis Sliwa. It's uh, a real pleasure to say hello. Uh, I've known you, but I really haven't known you uh, for many years. I'm a little older than you. And only recently, uh, the last uh, several months, that I came to find out that uh, when I heard you speaking in Italian uh, dialect slang, uh, I said, this guy speaks uh, like somebody from my neighborhood, from my uh, roots. And then I find out that uh, your mother's family is from uh, the same area where my family is. And that we share a lot of the same DNA from your mother's family. And I've been listening to you now on and off. Uh, and uh, I, I was rooting for you to become mayor because we want what's best for New York and the United States. Uh, and I see that uh, you have a lot of uh, <laughs> similarities that are probably deep-rooted in our DNA, our character, our, our, you know, the different aspects of our, our personality. Well, let me ask uh, you a question, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, where were you born and raised? Well, my parents are from a small town on the Adriatic, just north of Barry, okay. called Santo Spirito. All have right. you ever been to that area? Uh, no, I've never been to uh, Bari, but I have guardian angels in Italy, so I have been to various parts of Italy. The place where I heard your mother's from is Andrea, your mother's family. That is, is correct. just nor- north of where we're from. I say, were you born here or there? I was born in Genoa. My parents had, when I was born, my parents had been living in Genoa for a while. Now, who was the most, uh, who is the most famous person to come out of Genoa, Andrew? Well, I was born right near that famous person. Who was that, Christopher Columbus? <laughs> yes, I was born right near there. My father was working at the time right at the harbor of Genoa. Wow, and how old were you when you came to America? I was eight and a half. Wow, eight and a half. And- I, I didn't speak a word of English. I was a, an Italian kid. I had no, not even one word of English. How difficult was it for you? Well, they put me um, in the fourth grade because I finished the third grade in Italy. At the, I went to Catholic school. And they put me in the fourth grade uh, with a, an Italian kid who had come uh, here from Italy maybe a year or two before me so that he can help me learn in the fourth grade at PS 132 in Williamsburg. Wow. So you were Williamsburg. Did you end up going to Eastern District High School there? Yes, I did. I went to Eastern District. I graduated from Eastern District, and then I went to Queens College. Wow, they're like 4,000 guys then. <laughs> wow, Queens College, uh, which is where both my sisters went, Alita and Maria, because they were attracted to theater, and they had a great theater department. What attracted you to Queens College? Well, I had gotten a scholarship to some stage, out, uh, a soccer scholarship. I was on the soccer team. 
and I was not ready to move out of my home. I, was, I wasn't old enough, independent enough to move away. So uh, I, uh, um, I applied to the City University and uh, Queens College. I, I liked the, the campus, and I went to Queens College, which was free, almost free. Now, what was it, it was a great place. What was it like uh, playing soccer then, since most of the kids were playing either football, basketball, or baseball? <laughs> well, I did, I did play a little baseball. I did learn a little baseball. I remember the Yankees from those days. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying, but when they saw you kicking a soccer ball around, did they give you grief? No, 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 no. In fact, most of my friends in Williamsburg were foreigners like me. Kids from Greece uh, who had come like me. Uh, kids from Italy who had come like me, come from Italy. So most of my friends were foreigners like me and were living in Williamsburg. So what was the secret to your ability to adapt, assimilate, and become successful in America since we hear that there are many immigrants now, whether they're legal or illegal, who try to make the transition and we act like they can't do it, they need help? The secret, my friend, is uh, I had grown up in old world values, okay? Uh, I... uh, I'm a history guy, um, and uh, I believe in personal responsibility. I believe in uh, treating uh, uh, your your neighbors the way you would want to be treated yourself. So just common sense, uh, in the, uh, belief in independence, self-reliance, uh, you know, the old, old world values. Did you, you ever... Know, uh, learning education, learning the re- real history. When you uh, came to America, did you face uh, prejudice as an Italian? Occasionally. And how did you deal with that? Uh, well, <laughs> sometimes I would face it directly, and sometimes I would just, you know, uh, just, you know, see, see it and, and just uh, move away, keep, keep, keep going. And what was the uh, stereotype that existed against Italians coming across uh, at the time you were a kid? What was was it that most other Americans thought of uh, of Italians? Well, uh, the, the, the impression that uh, you get uh, in, in then uh, was that uh, certain people thought that they were um, uh, superior, or uh, that Italians from the South were. You know, people who um, didn't have much education and didn't, uh, you know, they, they, they were backward. Uh, of course, uh, people who came from Italy, many of them, uh, like my grandparents, didn't graduate from high school, you know, but they had real world values and uh, they survived uh, by uh, um, whatever uh, uh, you know means they, they had to survive. They survived with the wars. They survived World War II. You know, and they survived hard times, and they knew what hard times and good times were. So a lot of a lot of the prejudice you might have initially faced your family was that division between Southern Italians and Northern Italians. Right. Yeah, my grandfather, Fidela Bianchino, and my grandmother, Nicoletta Bianchino, told me exactly the same thing, that uh, some of the biggest problems they had was the way they were treated by their fellow Italians who were from the north, north of yeah. Rome, as opposed yes. to those who were south of Rome. Yes, yes, yes. That that was a lot more then, a little less now. 
but there's always been, uh, that was always uh, there as far as I, I know from the time I was born. And they, they referred to Southerners um, as Terroni, people who just uh, were tied to the land, and uh, that's, uh, that was their main thing. Terroni, you know, farmers, contadini. Yeah, well, it's like uh, in Puerto Rico, they'll refer to the people up in the mountains, uh, the farmers, hibaros, they'll call them, hibaros. Right. Same kind of mentality, in fact, all over the world in different countries. Yes, yes, yes. It's amazing. So you've been to Italy, but you haven't been to Andrea? No, I've not yet uh, had the opportunity to be uh, in Andrea. I have guardian angels in Genoa. I have guardian angels in Milan. I have some guardian angels in some of the other cities. In fact, I have guardian angels in Sardinia. We're in 13 countries, 130 cities now. We're close to 5,000 members. And a lot of the problems in Italy and Sardinia are the result of uh, the illegal aliens there who come into their country, many of them from North Africa. They haven't assimilated. There's all kinds of crimes as a result, very similar to what we hear of the illegal aliens who come into our country, mostly from south of the border, Mexico or Central America uh, or other parts. It's almost like universal wherever you go in the world. Uh, Some of those folks come in and they just start double trouble. And the local authorities there are a dollar short and a day late. They are just not prepared to deal with that at all. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. This Diana Ross. Bruce, what is wrong with you? The only thing I like about Diana Ross is that her birthday is March 26th. She's an Aries just like me. March 26th. Other than that, no. Oh, God. What are we going to have? The Supremes after this? Diana Ross, Barry Gordy, R&B, Motown, Detroit. Oh, How stupid is that? Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, let's get back to the phones. You know, this is talk radio, not music radio, as much as Bruce would like it to be. A four-hour, no, make that five-hour, spinning stacks of racks, old, hackneyed, uh, vinyl. It's probably bent by now that you couldn't even play with a needle. Anyway, let's go to Allison in Bayside. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Allison. Hi, Curtis. So glad to have you back again. Oh, it's good to be back at WABC, my home away from home. That's right, but it's great. Hearing you again, the nights are great. I just wanted to talk about Socks. Socks, unfortunately, died in 2009, but he was 19 years old. He had a good life. He was still with Betty Curry in, in Maryland. So I thought you'd like to know that, and that's what I called about. No, 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 hold on a second. You do remember that there was a vicious battle in the White House between yes. Sox the Cat, who was a stray cat, uh, and the Black Lab Buddy, who was not Anyone. a rescue dog. Uh, apparently, they were constantly fighting with one another in the, the White House. Uh, Bill Clinton questioned the loyalty of Sox. That's why, you know, when he questioned Betty Curry about Monica Lewinsky, he said, I want to nourish your memory on that. Basically, I want to tell you, Betty, what you're going to tell uh, the investigators. 
Uh, and I don't think he ever trusted Sox, where he did trust Buddy, because when eventually Hillary and uh, uh, Bill Clinton moved to Chappaqua, the whitest suburb in America, where even the lawn jockeys are white, every time Hillary would be coming home from that Starbucks, and Bill might have been in a compromising position with another femme fatale, you know who would start barking and warning him? Buddy. Buddy, the black lab. Yeah, that's the loyalty that Buddy had to Bill Clinton. And then for that, Bill is throwing the tennis balls out to Buddy like he did each day in the yard in Chappaqua. And he throws the tennis ball over the fence, and Buddy very dutifully runs to retrieve the tennis ball and gets squashed in the street into a speed bump. Don't you find that odd that people who have been very loyal... Uh, like right, Vince Foster and others, that so many of them have met an early demise? It is very odd. And lastly, Buddy, the Black Lab. Who was more loyal than Buddy? Buddy even battled every day with socks, who, as you mentioned, ended up going with Betty Curry and her husband somewhere in Maryland, but... Uh, uh, Hollywood, Maryland. Never heard of it. Hollywood, Maryland. Wow. Yeah. Boy, that's a place they must have created. I never heard of that either. I heard of Hollywood, no. Florida, Hollywood, California. Never Hollywood, Maryland. And lived to the ripe old age of 19? 19. you a cat. Do you think that Sox took the secrets of the Clintons to the cat heaven? Possibly. You think she took the coat of Omerta? I think so. Well, thank you for that uh, edification, uh, Allison. <laughs> I had no idea what had become of Socks the cat, but right. apparently uh, passed away natural causes at the ripe old age of nineteen. Boy, that that is an old age for a cat. For a cat, yeah, that's good. I guess you took good care of him. Yeah, unlike uh, Bill Clinton, who purposefully threw that tennis ball into the street outside of the Love Shack in Chappaqua, only to see Buddy get hit by a pickup truck head on. Do you think that Bill did that on purpose? Do you think maybe Buddy knew what others wanted to know? Or do you think it was at the urgings of Hillary? Rodham Clinton, who felt that Buddy had shade on his face because every time that she'd be coming home from Starbucks or walking through the nearby forest talking to Eleanor Roosevelt, oh yeah, channeling Eleanor Roosevelt, that it was Buddy who would give that alarm bark and let uh, Bill Clinton know it's time to no longer do the nasty nasty whatever side action he had there in Chappaqua. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Osvaldo in the South Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Osvaldo. Hey, how you doing, my brother? God bless you. How am I doing, my brother? God bless you. Uh, you do know the rules and regulations, Osvaldo. You don't ask me how I'm doing because I'm just going to tell you I've had better days. Gabish, you understand, Osvaldo? Yeah, yeah, but I'm... I'm I'm uh, a veteran, so you got to give me a break, my brother. Oh, so wait a second. Because you're a veteran, you get dispensation. You get a break. (laughs) 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 Hey, hey, Curtis, I'll I'll, I'll, uh, 
Before I was listening to you on the radio, and I loved all the programming, you know, not the programming, all the, everything that uh, sharing with you in, in the different uh, uh, newscasts that you had and, and, and everything. I remember you before before that. I'm, from, I'm uh, born and raised in the South Bronx, right? So what do you remember about me, Osvaldo, in the South Bronx? What do you remember? I, I remember, right? Uh, well, this is a little bit up from the South Bronx, but uh, in uh, 170 uh, Mount Eden Avenue. Mount Eden. That was rough. Mount, that was rough, Mount Eden, Mount, right near the four train. Yeah, right there. And they, the, uh, some uh, Mount of Youngbloods wanted to start up little clicks, right? And they had uh, this click and that click. And, and, and they told me they started up a. Uh, I said, we're going to get this click put together, right? I said, yeah, what is it? What is it called? And they called it the Suicide Squad, the Suicide. And I said, and I said, what is it about? It's to help the elderly people and help, you know, make sure everything is cool in, in the neighborhood. And, of course, there were gangs of it, um Oh, there were all kinds of gangs. It was uh, Savage Nomads, Savage Coals, Black Spades. Uh-huh, and they tried to recoup me. I said, and I said, no, I ain't going in no gang. You want a gang for? You want to help people? You help people out of kindness of your heart, and you help them on a daily basis in any way you can. And then, boom, I heard of of, um, uh, 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 your team. Coming up, and, and uh, well, no, it was it was, uh, it was difficult, definitely, definitely difficult to ward off the gangbangers back then. Oh man, there was so many back then. They'd be wearing their cut off lead jackets with their rockets and patches on the back, trying to pretend to be uh, street versions of the Hell's Angels forever without the Harley Davidsons. Oh, those were tough times, uh, Osvaldo. It's good that you kept your nose clean and away from those street gangs. Unfortunately, they devoured so many young men, so many young women who ended up on a one-way trip to Palookaville. One of the reasons I started the Guardian Angels was to keep a lot of those young men and young women out of harm's way, which certainly we had an opportunity to do so they wouldn't join the Black Spades or the Savage Nomads or the Savage Skulls or dozens and dozens of other street gangs. Let's go to Kurt. In Staten Island, your turn to be heard here on WABC, Kurt. Good morning, Curtis. How are you? Oh, oh my. Hey, are you a stunad, Kurt? You know, I've been listening to you all night. You've you kept me up all night, especially with the religious segment. I loved it. Um, all right, all right. I'll give you. I'll give you dispensation. I'll give you dispensation. I actually didn't mean that, you know. But uh, here's what I wanted to of say. Of course, you, you meant know, it. No, I didn't. I wanted to say good morning. I wanted to ask you actually if, if it was safe to say good morning. Oh yeah, no, it's safe yeah, to say good morning. Say good hey, you got to lower it. You got to lower the radio in the background. It's like popping out reverb here. What the hell are you talking about? My my radio's not on. Well, now it's not. No, no, I just lowered the volume on the phone. Oh, I see. We're still getting some some feedback there. Well, I'm going to go back. Hold on, hold on. I'll do it some more. 
No, 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 no. Hey, Phil, Phil, what, what do you got going here with Kurt that he's got in this reverb going here? Let, let's find out from Phil. Phil is actually a graduate of ours of Popular Mechanics. Uh, he's looking at the spectrometer now and the discronificator. Uh, what are the readings on the spectrometer, say, Phil, and the discronificator in terms of Kurt and all that <laughs> feedback we're getting? Oh, in, in, in simple terms, uh, not looking good right now, Curtis. Now, what could that be? Keep talking, Kurt. Let's see if we can wind down the spectrometer. It was not on. Like I said, it's just my phone. See, that's much better. We wound down the spectrometer. We didn't mess with your discrono factor. Okay. All right, so go ahead. Go ahead, Kurt. Now, now here's where I wanted to go. You know, a couple months ago, right, I was listening to the Brian Kilmeade show. He wasn't in that day. Someone filled in for him. I don't remember her name. And she was talking about COVID and the effects, all right? And she made some really good points. She said, COVID is not a cure, and it does not prevent you from getting COVID. So even if you get the shot, she said, you could still get COVID, which means you could still pass it on to others. So what makes, I haven't gotten the shots. What makes me any different than, than anyone else? Well, you see, that's the whole situation here is that we've learned from this new variant and also from Delta that you could be fully vaccinated and still catch uh, the COVID, except right. you probably won't become bedridden and you probably won't die. That's what they're no. saying. Yes, and that's what she said. She said it'll, it minimizes symptoms for them, but you can still give it to someone else. And this is where I was going. The mandates. So they don't make any sense. Now, why did you personally decide? I mean, they were trying to bribe you to get a first shot. They were trying no, to. No. Why I, did you I decide not to? Um, I did not decide not to. I actually attempted to two times, but I was denied for medical reasons. Ah, see, we don't often factor that in, that there are a lot of our fellow residents, because of medical reasons, who cannot get vaccinated. Was that because your immune system was low? No, um, no, I, 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 I don't. No, I just, I just rather not talk about oh no no understood understood that, you know, uh, but there are other there are other citizens out there we don't take into effect that it's not because you don't want it uh it's because medically you can't have it and they get thrown all into the same boat it's so almost like they're part of the unvaxxed minority and i'm sure there are probably people from time to time if they heard that you weren't vaxxed uh, they would want you isolated. They would want you uh, out of there, not coming to their home, not having any involvement with them at all, right? No, I haven't. Actually, I have not faced that. You know, I do I do wear masks with me. I take them. I don't wear them outside. If it's, I mean, that's really unnecessary, if you ask me. But when I go into a store or something like that, a confined public place, I do put a mask on. And uh, the reaction uh, of your family and friends to the fact that you're not uh, vaccinated? No, I only live here with my wife. Ah, okay. All right. All and right. our, 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 our pit bull. Oh, that's another thing, because I know you love cats. I love cats, too, man. But I can't have a cat here because I got a pit bull. No, that I understand. Although you'd be yeah. surprised, nope. Kurt, I have no, run he's... across uh, uh, those with animals who have actually had pit bulls and cats together, believe it or not. Yeah. Well, he's he's very friendly, and he's, he's, he's 15 months. But still, he's he's friendly, but he's aggressive. Now, some I mean, people... If, if, you want to walk, right. if you want to walk up to him, he'd just jump all over you. He'd, he'd love you to death. 
Now, some people have an aversion to pit bulls. Why do you I think know. that is? Why do you think that is? Because because of bad trainers of what people. My mother is afraid of pit bulls too. You know, and then he's not. He's a good dog. We just lost two in the last year. Oh, sorry to hear that. Sorry, one, one died during surgery, and we don't know what happened to the other one. Mm, mm. He just, he just, he jumped up on a bed and yelped and just flopped over. Wow! So, but we, but after he died, we got this other one, Ace. We call him. We, we, we say we got him as Ace, but now he's fifteen months. We got him about six months ago. Now, and you, you heard me tell you the story that the Biden family, they love German shepherds. They had one for 13 yes, years. I heard. I was listening. Right. He died of natural causes. But then they had major that they got from a, a shelter, a rescue shelter. Uh, he was constantly nipping at people, and they had to send him away because they said he wasn't properly trained. And now they've decided to replace that German shepherd with a baby, a puppy a German shepherd. And I'm saying to myself, you know... Maybe it's best that the Bidens not have any German shepherds because the last Maybe. time the president ended up breaking his foot chasing around Major, the two-year-old German mm-hmm. shepherd. Maybe not. Maybe they're not raising. Maybe they're not taking care of the dogs, right? I don't know, but I, my, that would be my uh, look. That would be my suggestion. I always thought that the Trump family uh, should not have a pet, and never struck me as being pet friendly. Uh, any of the Trump uh, folks. It was better off they didn't have a pet. I'm not always saying, oh, you have to adopt pets. But I think in this circumstance, I think uh, for Joe, our president, and, oh, do I have to call a Dr. Jill? What kind of a doctor is she? I got to call a doctor. Ah, she's Jill Biden to me. Should not be raising a, uh, a cub, a 12-week-old German shepherd who is slobbering all over the president and pulling at his uh, jacket as he was talking to troops, uh, giving the annual Christmas message. I would say no, no. And then they're talking about getting a cat. Uh, I guess they want to be so politically correct. They don't want to favor dogs or cats. I would just remind Joe and Jill Biden, remember the last president and first lady to have a cat and dog, right? Socks, the cat. And uh, Buddy, the black lab, that never got along. That always tangled. And Bill favored the black lab and got rid of Socks the cat and pawned her off uh, to Betty Curie, uh, his former secretary, who, remember, he nourished her memory about Monica Lewinsky, remember? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Oh, my God, my God. Send it off in a letter to yourself. One of the worst songs of all time. Bruce, you must be tone deaf. Anyway, let's go uh, to the phones right now. It's Josep, who's calling from Ronkonkoma. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. What the hell are you talking about? Curtis. Yes, go ahead, Joe. Curtis. Yeah, Joe, yeah. You got music running in the background. I can't hear you. Yeah, well, that's Bruce. He'd rather spin stacks of wax than do talk radio. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's he's full of himself. To each his own, right, brother? Hey, uh, 
two things before uh, you cut me off. Uh, my dad met you, God rest his soul, back in the, I remember as a kid listening to him, he met you on the train. Uh, he used to um, be a senior vice president for um, Bank of Commerce Bank in uh, New York City. And uh, he said he sat next to you twice on the train. And he always remarked what a great job that you used to do. And he used to say all the time to me and my sister, you know, that what a nice gentleman you are. You know, and uh, I wanted to convey that to you. I know you don't like people uh, complimenting you. But uh, also, with Joe Biden and this German Shepherd, uh, a man with his cognitive skills right now, and uh, he can't walk and chew gum at the same time, uh, getting a dog like that, I have a German Shepherd, and they're, they're like a lethal weapon. If you're not, they're not well-trained, it's like giving a child a gun. Yeah, I, I don't understand for the life of me. His last uh, dog, Major, the two-year-old rescue German Shepherd, he said he was chasing out of the shower stall, grabbed a Major by the tail, and slipped and fell and broke his uh, foot. Uh, I got to wow. I got to assume, hey, look, pal, you're like, what, 80 years old? You don't want to be playing with a German Shepherd. Yeah, but also, you know, Curtis, you, you're an animal lover like I am. Um, you look at your, if you're going to be 80, why would you be a, getting a puppy? And if you're not going to be able to be there to raise this animal to the, you know, a German Shepherd lives about 12, 13. And when that dog's at six, seven years old, he's going to be in his mid-80s. He's not going to be able to handle a dog like that. And it, it, it's really, uh, to me personally, to bring a puppy into the White House, Let's worry about our economy and everything right now versus caring. I know he has staff members there, but still, what a life is a dog, a puppy going to have in the White House? You know, um, and plus, a German shepherd, as you know, they are very regimented. They have to be done things certain ways, and if they don't, like my dog, if he doesn't eat at a certain time, it screws his whole day up. Anyway, uh, well, you know what? I think uh, he probably got that uh, that puppy dog, that German Shepherd, at the behest of Vice President Harris, who was possibly hoping he'd have another accident. <laughs> hey, I think you nailed that one on the head, Curtis. Plus, hey, have a great day. Plus, remember, Jill, not Doctor Jill, and President Joe Biden are going to bring a cat on board. Can you imagine when the German Shepherd and the cat start tangling? And you know President Joe Biden is going to try to break it up. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jack in Seagate, right outside of Coney Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jack. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Sorry for the voice. I have a little laryngitis. I'm just getting over a bad cold. Uh, uh, the man that you had over there uh, said he didn't take a, uh, a a vaccine. I'd like you to know that I haven't taken a vaccine either. And the reason that is is because I've been able to formulate a, a protocol, a, a recipe. I call it a recipe by killing the virus. And uh, this way I don't have to take a vaccine. So now, now let me ask you a question. If you're so adept at killing the virus, how come you couldn't kill your cold germ or your virus germ? Because virus is virus, bacteria is bacteria, fungus is fungus, and, you know, it, it, they're separate things. Now, you sound, you realize you sound like you gargled with razor blades. You understand that, Jack? <laughs> I wish I was. Now, were you uh, were you ever a smoker? Do you ever smoke those Chesterfield or those Camel Gun filtered? Pal, I used to be a 
Palmell. Oh, Palmell, of course, of course. 1958. How many packs a day? Oh, one a day, one a day. One a day. Palmer, when did you give up the habit? I tell you, I was in the service and I got thrown out of my company. And I had to do something to, to justify my existence, so I gave up smoking. I threw away my uh, three quarters of a carton of Pall Mouse, and I, I stayed away from cigarettes for the last 60, 70 years. Wow, how difficult was that to throw away, what, three quarters of a carton of Pall Mouse? Well, I had to either prove myself that I could do something or just die, you know, and I didn't want to die. I wanted to live. Now, how cheap were the Pall Mouse back then? I don't know, dollar a you see what a pack of palm? Did they even make palm mouths now? I don't think so. Yeah, it'd be like seventeen dollars a pack, and most of that would be taxes. There you go. There you go. Now, how long have you lived on Seagate, the private community there? Since nineteen eighty-four. And how do you qualify to get into Seagate? Because obviously, it has limited occupancy. Well, you, you see, there's a house for sale. You go and buy it. That's all. And what kind of fee do you have to pay? Because it is a gated community, but it's also a private community. You have to pay double taxes, actually. Double taxes, and you got that gorgeous view of the Atlantic Ocean there. Exactly, and a beautiful beach and everything like that. But did it ever uh, put you off uh, that when you were first thinking of moving to Seagate in the 80s, they had that fortification in front of you that made it seem like it was the DMZ between you and the Cary Gardens projects there? Well, are you talking about those those gun mounts? Those gun mounts? Are you talking about those gun mounts? Yeah, man. It was like, my God, it looked like Shawshank Redemption. Well, they, they, uh, they went ahead. Listen, it was World War II. They, they set up guns in case somebody... They used to have that along the paddock at Basin in Canarsie. You would see the old gun turrets from World War II, uh, where they anticipated that the uh, Nazis might end up uh, trying to bomb uh, the northeast coast. In fact, oftentimes there were ships that would pull out of port, and uh, they would be uh, shot down by subs as they were passing Coney Island. Uh, That close to shore. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. That reminds me, King's, uh, Kingsboro College there was where the Merchant Mariners trained before World War II. I know my dad, who had come in from Lake Michigan, Chicago, had been a Merchant Mariner, went to the academy. And one of the trainings that they did there before they shipped him out in World War II is they rode him out into the middle of Jamaica Bay in winter. They dropped him over the side and they uh, wanted to see if he could swim to shore because uh, many, many of the uh, young men could not handle the exposure to the inclement weather, the dramatic drop in temperature. My father, who had uh, uh, was raised swimming in Lake Michigan, handled it, but he said a lot of young men just couldn't handle it. <laughs> that was the training to be a merchant mariner. They'd row you out into the middle of Jamaica Bay in the winter, throw you over the side and tell you to swim to shore. It's where Kingsboro College is now. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ralph in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Ralph E. Yes, indeed, Curtis. Happy holiday. Um, you know, so that, that dog in the White House, that wasn't thrown over to the Chinese, I think. You know, that Biden is having a problem with the, um, the German lab. 
but I want to talk about, you know, the virus, okay? The and, virus, uh, okay, the, the virus, all right. Okay. All right, if the, if, if the vaccine is such a good de- deal, okay, how come you needed a booster shot on that thing? All right, uh, you know, so that's that makes me kind of a uh, skeptic or skeptical about this whole thing with with vaccination. And Anthony Fauci, what does it take to remove him? You know, because he, he's not, you know, he's just pulling around, in my opinion, doing a clown show. Not- oh, well, look, look, he could have been fired by uh, Donald Trump. Uh, the president then decided not to fire him. He could be fired by Joe Biden. You would think by now uh, he would have retired, but no, he continues to flip. He continues to flop. In fact, uh, if you remember, uh, I take you back just to April of 2021, and Ralph, uh, we were doing uh, Dancing the Horror in the Tarantella. It was Nirvana. It was bliss. No one wore masks indoors. Strangers smiled at you in the street. Remember April of 2021? You go into a crowded bar, and you'd be like nut to butt with people. You'd belt back a few, and all of a sudden, uh, you'd be like Frank Morano. You'd be singing karaoke to uh, Madonna songs. Yeah, I bet you he likes Madonna. I bet you Bruce probably would be singing karaoke to Madonna songs. You didn't need a Vax card back then. It was great. I remember I had invited the tramps. I was running for mayor at that time. We had a huge gathering uh, outside in which we were doing mask burning. And the tramps were singing Disco Inferno. Yeah, do you have that song, Bruce? I mean, that's a classic, Disco Inferno. Why don't you try to play that by the tramps? And then all of a sudden, things went south. And what seemed so good and so great in April of 2021... Then all of a sudden, with the Delta variant, it went south. And now we have this new South African variant and this fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. And all you see are lines of people to get those swizzle sticks shoved up their schnozola. And then you see some people are real freaky, deaky, freakazoids. They want to catch every COVID strain. Yeah, yeah, there are some people out there. They want to be able to say to their friends and relatives and others, I've had all three COVID strains. I had the initial coronavirus. I had the Delta variant from India. And I have the new South African variant. That is sick. It's like uh, taking a lawn chair outside of an Apple store every time a new iPhone drops. There are certain people, they can't wait to get a new strain of the COVID-19 virus. Unbelievable. They they want it. So they say, I, I, I beg, I beseech, I pray that I will lose my sense of taste and smell so then I know I have a new variant. It's completely nuts. And then I'm walking around out there and I'm saying to myself, Look at all these sheds. Why are there all all these sheds outside of restaurants and bars that are unoccupied? You go up and down Amsterdam Avenue. You have sheds outside restaurants and bars, unoccupied. You go up and down Columbus Avenue, sheds outside of bars and restaurants, Quonset huts. Uh, They could be airplane hangars. There's nobody in there. They're eyesores. You would think, okay. It's time to get rid of them. No. 
And by the way, what's the difference between dining inside of a building and dining inside of an enclosed tent that's hermetically sealed? And it attracts rats, and it takes up parking space. My God, it looks like uh, like an extended uh, portal party. It's unbelievable. And they get graffitied and vandalized, and then there are addicts that go inside thinking it's an injection center, shooting up homeless people living in these huts. Should give a deadline to the restaurants. Use it or lose it. Unbelievable. And then you, you go into a restaurant, there's the maitre d'. Would you like, would you like to sit inside, inside, outside, or inside, or outside, outside? I have no idea what that means. The other day, I took my wife, Nancy. That's right. I don't throw nickels around like manhole covers. I said, Nancy, let's go out. She's a vegetarian. Took her to a vegetarian restaurant. So we, we walk inside to the maitre d', and I kid you not. The maitre d' said, would you like to sit inside, inside, outside, inside or outside or outside and outside, in which there's no shed. Some of these restaurants, they have seats in a shed. Then they have seats directly outside the restaurant itself, which is all exposed to the outside. And then naturally, they have seats inside the restaurant itself. I mean, some of these sheds look like abandoned pirate ships. They look like a shantytown. You're dining out for the unvaxxed. It's like you're the boy in the bubble. Man, it's time these sheds have got to go. And then all of a sudden, it's getting colder and colder. And who wants to freeze their tukas off by having a meal outside in a shed? You know, at first, it was like, ah, interesting. It was different. You know, we were just coming out of the lockdown and pandemic. You were just happy to be able to go to a bar and a restaurant and sit anywhere and have your beverage of choice and your meal of your choice. But I think it's really played out now. It's time for these sheds to go. Time to go. Oh, and just remember, if there's anything you learn from the five-hour extravaganza tonight featuring yours truly, me, Curtis Sliwa, is that I apply, apply the same rules and regulations to all callers, to all people. You heard how I had to straighten out and put on the shelf my dear Kumbadi Cheech, Rudy Giuliani, who asked me, Hey, how you doing, Curtis? I straighten him out. And then for the rest of you, oh, uh, thank you for taking my call. You don't have to thank me. Don't thank any host or hostess. We keep soliciting you to keep calling in. That's what makes this talk radio a two-way street. And please, never say first-time caller, long-time listener. Because if you do so, I'm going to have to pimp slap all of you and straighten you out before we engage in our conversation. Good old-fashioned talk radio Brought to you by WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation.